2020 NFL Draft, the New York Jets select Makai Becton. Going down again, Fighting through contact, fighting through offensive line, being a double team, multiple moves stacked into one. Just a play of pure domination. This is actual film, it's actual football talk. It's a football show, it's about football, not storylines. Marcus, what is up? Uh, take two. <laughs> yeah, how's it going, man? <laughs> I know I had some uh, technical difficulties. What's going on with y'all? Uh, typical Sunday, watching, watching some, uh, some games, hoping that the freaking my parlay is hitting the, the Jaguars almost pulled it out against the, against the Packers, but we appreciate you joining us. We have you for a little bit less than an hour, about 40 minutes or so. So we're going to run through, um, a ton of lightning round questions. If people do have questions for Marcus, um, on the YouTube live, then, uh, let me know if you have any questions on Periscope or whatever. Uh, drop those in there, and then we'll get them to Marcus. But we have a ton of questions again to get through in the next forty minutes, so um, I might nudge you guys out and just take all the questions for myself. So, forty seventh edition, take two. I uh, got Marcus Coleman played with the Jets from two uh, nineteen ninety six to two thousand one, correct? And then yeah. the Texans for three years after that, and the Cowboys for your your the last year of your career, and you just made a coaching change for uh to the west texas uh warbirds right in the, in, in the arena league well well i was but um now i'm i'm actually full-time at trinity university so it's a division three school here in san antonio you so didn't even consult me marcus didn't even consult me that was, I, i'm sure you would have gave me the thumbs up on that one that was easy. <laughs> that's, a, that's an easy decision <laughs> uh monday night miracle uh we had three picks that game first team all american 25 interceptions in your career two touchdowns in the nfl uh six three beefy dude the the uh the the original the og brandon browner maybe is that is that how you play marcus nice and physical yeah that's about right try to anyway <laughs> yeah. so Let's get into this. I'm only into some lightning round. This is for the people who don't really know you, uh, didn't you know watch uh, prior to the the YouTube lives, and we used to do a ton of shows together. Uh, what's your favorite game as a Jet? Who? Um, that's a tough one because we had so many. I mean, obviously the Monday Night Miracle is pretty special. Um, uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, another game that was actually pretty. Was pretty special. Uh, when we went down to Tampa, I think that was so. That was a year after Bill, after both of the Bills left. So Coach Parcells retired, and Belichick went to New England. And so uh, Al Groves, the head coach, and we go to Tampa. You know, it always rains in Tampa. You know, so we literally just and it was storming like in the beginning of the warmups, and this was before they had all the rules about you know you can't go outside when it's wet. Kind, kind of deal doing warmups now. How do you do it now these days? Everybody kind of waits it out. And we were just out there just like soaking wet, rain, you know, doing our normal warm-ups or whatever, getting everything in. The Buccaneers were standing in the, you know, in the tunnel, we were just kind of waiting. And they went back in the locker room and they came back into the tunnel and they finally came back when it was nice and sunny. And, you know, we put that beat down on them. And so that was the year. And that was also the year that, uh, you know, because Key, Keyshawn Johnson actually went to Tampa the next year. Uh, so it was... I mean, not necessarily special because Key was there, but it was just just the whole feel of the game, you know, made it, you know, made it special. But obviously all the playoff games are special. Um, you know, it's kind of hard to just pick one, though. I mean, to be quite honest with you. I'm going to make it even harder now, and I don't know if I'm going to get the, the answer because you said <laughs> it's hard right. to pick one. Best play, most favorite play of your career. Is there is there one that really sticks out? You're thinking about your favorite play you've ever made in your career? 
which is over, you know, what, 11 years in the NFL? Yeah, I mean, obviously my first INT for a touchdown on Dan Marino was pretty special. Ooh, kinda, I didn't know that kinda, detail that your first pick six was on, our first pick was on Dan Marino. Yeah. So Do you, do you remember, like, the concept? What was it? What, how did that go down? Do you remember? Uh, so it was, um, I think there were an 11, and for whatever reason, they had OJ, OJ McDuffie lined up all the way to the outside. And so anytime they did that, he always ran, like, a short five yards and in. Because obviously OJ McDuffie's not running a favor out, you know, when I'm standing out there. You know, OJ McDuffie's like five nine, five ten, and then you have me. So mm-hmm. this is kind of like, huh. So you're running that play. I'm like, okay, well, let me go ahead and and you know, let me slide on in a little bit. So I just like slid over like <laughs> one step. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Marino didn't even he didn't even think about it. He just turned around, he just you know took the step and threw it. And so and from then on, you know, it's off to the races after that. That was your rookie year? No, that was uh that was year three. Yeah, like year three with my first pick six. Yeah. I know so, yeah. you said this before, but uh, I want to reiterate it. You said that you were a bigger guy, so you always struggled with the the shiftier slot receivers. Uh, who was that hardest matchup as, the, as as that slot receiver? That 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 Wes Welker, Julian Edelman, even Jamison Crowder type five nine. You know, really uh, twitchy and explosive out of their breaks. Yeah, I mean. Marvin Harrison was obviously pretty good. You know, I think we all can agree on that. So, uh, Who's he, that? He, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So he was, um, and most of the time I actually didn't end up on him. AG usually ended up, ended up on him most of the time. But when I did end up on Marvin, like he's obviously, he's tough. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm trying to think of anybody else. And it's hard to really think of anybody else outside of Wayne in practice. Because everybody else was kind of big. I mean, you had OJ, who was he was kind of small, but uh, Buffalo had two good size receivers. Um, and really, if you look at the Raiders, if you look at the Chiefs, I mean, you look at Dallas. Like everybody, pretty much has some six foot, six one, you know, kind of bigger guys. You know, Minnesota. Uh, I mean, obviously Tampa. Um, so there weren't many. There weren't a lot of small, shifty dudes. You know, playing. You know, kind of like during my era. You know, most. You know, you had a lot of Randy Mosses and, and you know, those kind of guys, you know, the Michael Irvin. But those, that was kind of like the norm, you know, back then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we were talking about the whole thing with Tampa and, and the wetness and them not maybe you being used to the uh, those nitty gritty, dirty games that, that the New Yorkers were used to. But what was your transition yeah. like from from Texas to New York? Because you're in Texas now. You're clearly a Texas guy. Uh, yeah. You probably, you know kind of pushed Jamal Adams to leave the Jets because he was all about the Cowboys. I feel you. Um, but what was your transition like from the from the the warm weather to the the cold uh, turf of well, I don't know if you put it on turf. It was it was, it was grass probably. Um or I don't know if it was or not, honestly. Oh, we it, got in the Meadowlands? Was it was it turf the whole time no, you were there? Or they changed? Oh yeah. No, it was all turf. Yeah it was turf. Old, it was that old turf too, yeah. With the how was that how is that transition? Because I know I know playing <laughs> at least in New Jersey, September's fine when it's eighty degrees, but once it starts getting to thirty degree weather in in November and December when you're playing, how how is that transition? It wasn't bad. Uh, in the cold, the, the weather wasn't a problem. The reason why I say that is because Lubbock is about thirty two hundred feet hmm. above sea level, so it gets cold as you know. I don't know what in Lubbock, like, and I know mm-hmm. it's in Texas, so you don't think that, but I mean, we get snowflakes, like, I'm talking about like, seriously, like huge, do you? And it snows a lot there, so that. That, that was like the easy part, 
to, to be honest with you, but the thing I had to get used to was just everything is like right now, right now, right now. It seems like, you know, because New York is, I mean, it's a fast paced town. Obviously mm-hmm. coming from a place like Lubbock where, you know, everybody's like super chill and it's, it's you know, absolutely relaxed. Uh, but I had to get used to the speed of the city and some of the, and, you know, the people as well. You know, I'm used to just kind of speaking to everybody, you know, hey, how you doing? You know, da, da, da. you know, New Yorkers look at you like, why are you talking to me? Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, for real. <laughs> yeah. So, so I had to get, I honestly, those are the two hardest things I had to get used to was just that and, mm-hmm. and, you know, just, uh, you know, going with getting, you know, kind of getting with the speed of the city and how everything rolled, you know, but after that, you know, I loved it though. I mean, it's, it's probably my favorite place, you know, to tell you the truth in the country, yeah. to be honest with you. Yeah. I love yeah. New York. Yeah, it's it's a little bit uh, different. Like I remember going to Germany, and then like it taking like forty five minutes for them to take our orders, and like the waiters like inviting us over for dinner. I was like, "What is wrong with these people?" And then even going yeah. to Indy, me and my friends were like walking around in Jets jerseys, and like some guy stops. It's like, "Oh, this guy's gonna like want to start something." Like all this stuff, you know, stopping us. He's wearing a culture. He's wearing Jets jerseys. Like, so like, what is it like rooting for the Jets? Like, how are the Jets? How is New York? I was like, "What the? F- what is wrong with this guy?" You know, like this, yeah. this ain't right. <laughs> we're just used y'all to people are, being aggressive. Yeah, y'all are hardcore, man. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The New York, uh, even like the Bills fans. The uh, I, I know, I know the West got some ha- has some fans who get a little bit aggressive. I like Forty ers the the Raiders, but yeah, the uh, the Jets, even the Pats, probably a little bit. The Eagles, uh, the, the Giants are the are the white collar guys though, so they don't they don't really count. Yeah. Um, right. Continue <laughs> on with you, Marcus. Uh, favorite coach team and uh, teammate? Do you do you have a, a coach who really helped you out, and do you have a teammate who really helped you out, or who you just enjoyed? Yeah. You might have you might have been a vet and loved some young guy who always lightened the mood. Uh, I mean, Bill. I mean, Parcells was was you know was my favorite coach to be honest with you. Um, yeah. and, I mean, but I only had two. I only had him and Don Capers. I mean, obviously you had Elgro, had Herm. Herm was probably like second to be honest with you. You know, on that list. I mean, but Bill was kind of the one that especially early on when he came, you know, I was still young in my career because when he came, it was only my second year. So mm-hmm. between, you know, he and that entire staff, uh, I mean, I learned so much football just in the short span of time that they were there. You know, you think coming into the league, you know, and playing in college and, you know, playing in a decent D1 school, you think you know a lot of football and then you get there and I'm just like, dude, I don't know anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, kind of deal. Yeah. So, yeah. so uh, I mean, I actually learned, you know, a lot. You know, from I mean, not just Coach Parcells, but from that entire staff. You know, where there was Belichick, Ty Bowles, you know, Rack, uh, you know, Coach Sutton. You know, I mean, it's just you, you name it. I mean, I you know, like I, I always tell everybody, you know, that was kind of like the who's who of like NFL staffs. Mm-hmm. You know, if you think about it. So, uh, you know, you have opportunity to learn quite a bit on both sides of the ball. You know, and, and, I mean, honestly, listening to Dan Henning talk to the offense actually helped me because now I understood what they were trying to do to attack us, you know, how they were trying to, you know, design plays, things like that. So it's, yeah, uh, that would probably be, you know, obviously Bill, like I said, is probably the main one and just that whole staff, you know, it was kind of like my favorite one. Yeah. I, I want to ask you two more questions before we get into some questions from the, from the YouTube live that people are asking you. Um, welcome to the NFL moment. What, what was it? Did you have one that you can remember? Ooh, my welcome to the NFL moment. Uh, Double move, getting trucked. Or yeah, something. yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know. I'm trying to think. Um, so I'm trying to, to go, erase it from your memory. Um, well, no, I mean, no. I keep stuff <laughs> like that because um, you got. I mean, and because my year was kind of weird. It was 
my rookie was, you know, obviously Rich Kotai was my our head coach my rookie year. You know, the year we went one and fifteen. So yeah. It wasn't like your normal like NFL kind of uh, like deal. So <laughs> we're gonna make some we're gonna draw some comparisons to Kotai and, yeah. and Adam Gates right now. Trust me, that's coming up. Yeah, so it was really weird, and, and I and I recall even doing cra- you know a training camp. Ray Makers and I were just kind of like, "Is this it? Like this is yeah. this is the league? Oh, we're good." You know, yeah. <laughs> you know, obviously before Bill got there, but um, yeah, that was a culture shock, I'm sure. Yeah, it absolutely. Yeah, I I can't really think of my welcome to the NFL moment. I mean, I mean, and I'm really trying to think because I know I got blew up in there somewhere by somebody, mm-hmm. you know, because it happens, especially. You know, back then, and I was playing, you know, I was one of the front blockers on kick return. Obviously, I was always running down on kickoffs. I know somebody blew me up. I just can't remember who it was. Um, you know, I don't know. Get back with me. Give me a, a few minutes. What uh, I'll circle back around. I'll circle back around. It. <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, was there now? I don't want to get too much into this, but you left the Jets. Was there a reason you, you left the Jets? Like what, what happened with, with, with the Jets? And, and obviously you don't have to say everything, but no, no you were no, there for a couple was, of years and then you left. So what, what happened? What ended up happening with the Jets? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously I was there and this was year. It was, I was already there six years and coach Edwards uh, was going into his second year. And so Ted Cottrell was the defense coordinator and obviously Herm, uh, you know, Coach Edwards was the head coach, but they had, and, you know, Coach Edwards came from like Tampa where they ran, you know, Tampa to that kind of style of defense. Coach Cottrell is more like fire zone, man. You know, he likes, mm-hmm. you know, attack, 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 attack. And uh, so we're, I mean, honestly, we were playing like two different defenses at the same time that one year. So, um, you know, Coach Edwards, obviously, and, and I get it. It was a business decision, you know, and myself and Aaron got it. You know, they, we got – that's when Houston came along and they put us up on the expansion draft. Um, and, obviously, Coach Capers, uh, who, you know, made his name in, in Pittsburgh, you know, his defensive guru with zone blitz, things like that. Uh, you know, he wanted two guys, two corners particularly that had experience. And, you know, Aaron and I obviously had big numbers at that time in regards to, like, salary cap and that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And, Coach Edwards wanted to, you know, kind of have his guys in there, which, you know, nobody had yeah. an issue with it. It was just kind of like, all right, like we get it. That's mm-hmm. the business of ball. So, you know, we got to put on the expensive draft and Houston, you know, took us both. So, I mean, that's, that's, I mean, in a nutshell, what happened. And I'm sure like that, obviously you love New York too, but transitioning back to going to Texas is like uh, Cowboys or, or the Texans would probably be the next best place for you to play just in terms of like your family life and stuff. So I'm sure that was pretty cool at the same time. Um, yeah. Shadow Maniac asks, what rules do you think impacted football significantly, uh, significantly this past decade, and do you like it? Whew. Um, well, obviously, one, I think the pass interference rule is a little t- ticky-tack now. Um, obviously. A little. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Um, you can't hear guys coming across the middle anymore because, mm-hmm. I mean, which, and I do agree with it. Uh, you know, taking the crown of the head and taking the helmet out of play. Like, I, I'm totally with that. Uh, it yeah. just makes it tough, you know, on, on safeties to come, you know, deliver those big blows like you're used to saying. Um, also, what I do think is kind of like a, I mean, I don't want to say the B word, but it's kind of like a little soft move is you're asking at minimum a 295-pound-plus defensive lineman to basically hug the quarter, you know, hug the quarterback and gently lay him down 
So, you know, you, you know, obviously you have the rule where they feel like you're driving the quarterback into the ground, you know, it's a flag. And that's, that's, I mean, guys are starting to learn how to do it now, but you see in quarterbacks now, you start to see legs getting hurt because guys are just, you know, kind of gator rolling now, you know, trying to tackle these dudes. Or you see the other where, uh, you know, and I was watching the, the Houston and Cleveland game earlier where Cleveland had Deshaun Watson hammer around the legs and, you know, he just kind of twinkle-toed his way out because nobody can really lay a lick on him. So it's, you know, those have been probably the biggest, the biggest ones. The um, the kickoff rules, you know, in regards to like returns, like no wedges, you know, things like that. Like I actually do like that, you know, to tell you the truth. It actually kind of makes you think as a special teams coordinator, you got to figure out some different ways to, you know, kind of come up with game plans. But, but uh, yeah, the, the PI rule, the quarterback sack rule. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, those are probably the, the, the biggest ones. All the other stuff is just little. It's brutal, man. Like you're saying, I just want to bring up the example you're talking about. Like Q is literally on his last step as as Rippin is getting rid of the ball right here. And yeah. he and he hugs him and he actually tries to to uh Turn go to off the to side. the side of him yeah. and he gets called for a penalty there. Like it's it happens it's, all the time. And I don't know if you saw the play, I'm gonna pull it up anyway, of Ashton Davis last week. But Ashton Davis um, you know, lays a good shot onto um what is it called? Cam Newton. And yeah. of course oh, it's but, a penalty because Ashton, yeah, but, like, listen, what, what, go ahead. No, I was going to say the reason why they call it is because that right. Cause, there. His, Cause his helmet he lunged, snapped forward. He or you're lunged, talking about cause he launched. He launched and he launched right there. <sighs> helmet down into, and you already know the rule. You can't hit the head of the quarterback. In it's any so kind of soft. I hate no, it. I'm, no, I'm with you, but I'm no, just, I know. Yeah, but this is prime example. So he, he has the lunch, and because him, you know, Cam's six five and Ashton's like five ten, five eleven, you know, yeah. ish. He launches, and that's why they call the penalty. See uh, right there, brutal. But that's why. I know. it is I know. so it, brutal. Though. I'm with you though. It sucks. <laughs> like that's I'm, that's for the for the for the for the NFL refs like have never played football and you realize like how like split second decision is especially in the NFL where guys are running four fours and shit like that and you got Cam Newton who's six five two forty five and you're trying to bring him down like oh hold on let me go around his waist I I I hate those those rules um okay. listen it's the NFL you're gonna get smacked like you got it you gotta you know it comes with it um somebody else asked uh Brian Javits any memories from playing with Victor Green the tackling machine Dude, Vic was – I tell you what, Vic was was one of the main dudes that, that took me under his wing. Um, you know, to this day, I have a lot of respect for Vic, man. I mean, Vic, obviously, you know, coming from, you know, Akron, um, you know, working his way up, you know, in, in the league and, you know, throughout the ranks the way he did, you know, started off special teams demon, um, you know, and then worked his way to, you know, obviously the starting spot and became, you know, you know a really solid, you know, safety. Um, loved to hit didn't matter who it was, um, you know, and, and you'd have to go back and find some of the old clips where, you know, he laying out Bam Morris, you know, laying out Bettis, you know, and Vic's only like 5'9", five, 5'10", five, but, mm. you know, Vic used to bring it, you know, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but yeah, Vic, yeah, I, yeah, you know, I, I actually enjoy playing with Vic a lot, to tell you the truth, you know, and, you know, and he, Vic was, was very intelligent in regards to, you know, no understanding the game, knowing how to prepare for the game, um, you know, diagnosing offenses and, and getting everybody lined up in the right place. So, yeah, I mean, there's tons of memories, you know, playing with Vic, to be honest with you. 
I feel like I always got laid out more by the by the smaller dudes because they're just their leverage is just ridiculous. Yeah, you um, get those small dudes and then they two hundred pounds. Yeah, man. Yeah, I remember I got I got rocked by a fullback, and I was like I was like arc blocking for a running back. We ran like a wing set, and uh, I didn't see him, and he got under like my ribs, and I did a backflip, and it sucked. I can't imagine the NFL when they're a thousand times faster and a thousand times stronger. Um, somebody said, uh, "Dark Demonic said, uh, Marcus, did you enjoy playing for the Texans or Jets more? And thanks for the memories of the late '90s. One of my favorite players growing up. Oh, appreciate it, man." Uh... Oh man! I, even if you have an answer, even if it is the Texans, I think you're gonna bend it right now to the Jets. <laughs> Unless you're gonna be dead no, honest, let's do it. <laughs> but no, I, I mean no. I, I just I keep it real. It's playing it. for the Jets was probably better. It was and I probably had more fun there. And reason being is because I mean, a that's where I got my start. Number one, but b just again. Being able to play under the coaching staff and with certain with the players that I did, I mean, you know, in Houston it was completely different. And I played with some good players, um, you know, in Houston, you know, like Jamie Sharper, Gary Walker, um, you know, who you know Gary was in Jacksonville. Jamie obviously played on the Baltimore right, you know, played with the Ravens when they won Super Bowl. Um, you know, played with you know Tony Banks, but some of the names and some of the guys that came through, you know, New York. I mean, Vinny. Obviously, you play Wayne and Q, Jumbo Elliott. I mean, Pepper Johnson, Steve Atwater. It's just kind of like, you know, you're playing with some dudes that, you know, you kind of watched before you got there. And, yeah. You know, you kind of become one of the dudes. You know, <laughs> that makes yeah. sense. Um, yeah. So, um, so just that whole experience for me was, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I enjoyed. And then, obviously, you know, going to the playoffs and going to the FC Championship game, you know, all of those memories that, you know, that's, you know, was probably the most – where I had the most fun, you know, why, you know, why it was better. Yeah. Uh, when Quinn Williams got to the Jets, like his first interview was like, Oh, Le'Veon Bell is here. And Jamal Adams walked past my locker and this is crazy. Yeah. So I, I could, I can imagine. And it, they, I think that's like the major difference that people talk about with that rich Kota year versus this year with Adam Gase's that Kota year, like the team actually had a ton of talent on the team. Um, and you can yeah. see that when Parcells came in, you guys won a ton of games under Parcells and the roster turnover wasn't that great where the Jets roster, they suck, but the roster also sucks too. Um, you know, minus a few guys, but uh, yeah. What was that like, like that transition from uh, Kotite to, to Parcells? Cause like you said, like you thought it was easy coming in and you, we hear stories all the time of, of Kotite, like being on the phone and texting during practice and like not being re- very involved. And you think, <laughs> listen, like it's an NFL coach and that's his job. Like you're making, I don't know at that point, but hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, and it's your career and you're texting during a practice where you only have a couple hours, just put your phone down. So what was that like? Like really like, behind, like obviously not every detail, but like, what was that, that like behind the scenes? Like the players, like, were they talking like, what the hell is this guy doing? Like, uh, well, when I got there, it was, I guess when I got there, it was, it was just kind of like, I don't know. It was weird. Cause once everybody kind of figure out how the program was being run, then everybody's just kind of went with it. You know, nobody really said anything. You just kind of, the, you know, especially the older guys, they were just kind of like, you know, young bug, just, you know, whatever, do what you need to do right now. And I mean, this is just all it is right now. And then um, when, you know, Coach Parcells and that whole staff came in, like, I mean, it changed. When I say it changed immediately, <clears throat> like it literally changed yeah. immediately. It, it was gone. literally, 
as soon as he got, you know, as soon as we, we knew he was the head coach, I'm talking about like the next day, it was just like, you're getting all this information, like everything's just changed. Everybody's Puck- attitude changed. Everybody puckered up a little bit. Every, yeah, everybody's butt, yeah, everybody butt yeah. up a little bit. Yeah, it, it completely changed. Dude. Yeah. So it's, and then obviously like training camp was different because, you know, I think our training camp that year was on like a couple weeks. You know, Coach P came in, it was like eight weeks. You know, we yeah. were hitting like every day, you know, having live goal line sessions, you know, that kind of stuff, which I, you know, I enjoyed. That was fun. But yeah, it changed a lot. Like it, it, it was night and day. No more of that in the NFL. Uh, okay, we got a, t- we got a ton more questions. I'm gonna we're gonna run through them. Uh, I guess relatively quickly because you gotta go pretty soon. Uh, speaking of weather and turfs, what do you think uh, about more and more teams going to indoor stadiums? How how do you feel indoor versus outdoor stadiums? This is from Shadow Maniac seventy eight. Um, I mean, indoor is cool when you need it. I mean, I think. Um, I mean, I think from a business standpoint, if you're with the owners, you're like, well, you know, if we got indoor, you can play any game at any time, you know, obviously, um, you know, but as a player, you know, we don't carry the way the, the thing, the difference between everybody getting the new indoor stadiums now and, you know, actually playing on natural grass, you know, that kind of stuff is, you know, what a lot of guys have been arguing about is obviously, you know, the body because um, playing on that field turf all the time does at some point, you know, kind of take a toll on your joints just because the plant and drive is so it grabs so much depending on where you're playing and some people and I, I think for MetLife that's why it's everybody was all up in arms when San Francisco had their little debacle or whatever it is because yeah. the rubber pellets the levels you know are different so you go to some places um and I think if you have more pellets like you slip more or whatever it is and the less you have then you know you get more grip so it's a you know, them trying to figure out that ratio to kind of make it, you know, as, as close to grass as possible. But the indoor thing is just, you know, everybody wants it to be pageantry because you obviously Jerry Jones started it. And now you got, you know, the spaceship, you know, is what I call it, you know, in, in Los Angeles, you know, because it yeah. looks like a, it does look like a spacecraft, mm-hmm. you know, and that's kind of going to be the future now where everything's going to mainly be indoors. Um, even the field and, you know, obviously in Vegas, um, I think, and that's, for them so they don't lose any games you know you don't have rain outs snow outs you know that kind of stuff you know i think that's more of a business thing than than anything else you know because players don't usually care quick uh we have a lot of questions but i actually want to ask you something what was the favorite cool. like, what was your what was your you like the favorite stadium you ever played in because i know like me personally i went to indianapolis i thought it was the nicest stadium but like what was the the nicest like slash uh best stadium you've ever you've ever played in minus minus jets home games obviously uh well, my favorite stadium is, um, and it's kind of a tie, is Lambeau and Arrowhead. Just because of, oh, I mean, it's, just, yeah. it's Lambeau and Arrowhead. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I get that, okay. yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know, so those are, you know, I'm kind of tied with those two. Um, the best-looking stadium, I want to say back then, because, see, you had the RCA Dome, you had Old Cowboy Stadium, um, Orchard Park. Uh, and I mean, we played in Oakland several times and that was never not, never, uh, uh, I mean, I guess, uh, the Cardinal stadium is, I mean, it's still nice. I mean, even though, I mean, they've mm-hmm. done some, you know, obviously they don't play there anymore. You know, they play where Arizona state plays now. Yeah. Uh, I mean, cause it's set off in the mountains and you got this, you know, mm-hmm. view of the mountains, everything, and you're kind of playing in this bowl. So that, I mean, that was actually cool. So that's, so from a, 
I guess a, a standpoint of being pretty or being nice, yeah, yeah. that might be the best one. I mean, you know, in Denver, obviously, same view, same skyline, you know, in that regard. So mm-hmm. those are probably the two, you know, where you're like, damn, this is really nice, you know, but just the two that you're like, ooh, like this is, this is Lambo. Okay. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know kind of deal. You know, yeah. things like that, Lambo, Soldier Field, Arrowhead. I mean, those are those. I mean, if you're any kind of football dude, those got to be, mm-hmm. you know, those have to be your favorites. I think I'm hitting Lambo in in 2023, but uh, me and my buddy, it's we're we're gonna hit every stadium. So yeah. when I when I when I go to te- uh, to Texas, I might have to hit you up. We'll see. Um, yeah, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> but uh, next question, somebody asked, and this is kind of transitioning a little bit more to the Jets now. Uh, they said, with the first pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the New York Jets select. So not Trevor Lawrence. Really? He's not coming out. I hate to spoil, oh, spoil oh the, God. We're going to start this. I hate to spoil it for you. Why is he not? What, why do you not think he's coming out? Look at look at this year. Think about, like, how many games has he missed now? Two? Going on three? Two. Two. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, let's see. They already took an L to Notre Dame. Um, I mean, they're probably running the table the rest of the way. I got to look at their schedule. I, I don't think... The only, I mean, if you take a quarterback, that one of those dudes that'll be coming out, it'll be Justin Fields. It won't be. I know we had. I know we had a long conversation <laughs> the other day about yeah. uh, the whole the whole Jets quarterback thing. But the thing with Lawrence is, like, regardless of how many games he missed, I just think miss you know skipping out on thirty million dollars guaranteed, whatever it is. If he goes back to Clemson and gets hurt, like that's that. It's such a huge risk, and a lot of people say about the Jets, like you know, oh, the Jets are such a bad situation. But what team is a good situation that has a number one pick? Are the Jags a good situation? You know, were the Cardinals getting rid of Josh Rosen a couple of years ago a good situation? Uh, right. You know, this year, the Giants, like who, whoever it is. So I don't think going to New York, um, especially if your agents are poking around and, I'm, you know, you know people as well. Like Joe Douglas is pretty highly regarded around the league. So it's not like you have a terrible GM. Now, if Adam Gase were to be the head coach, I think that he might you know, either go back or force a trade or whatever it may be. But um, I still think, I still think he's coming out. You think he's, he's not going to come out because of to avoid the jets or to play another year. And um, if not, like what, what are your feelings on, on field? Do you seem relatively high on him? I think, um, well, with Lawrence, I think, I don't, I don't even think it has anything to do with the jets. Say truth. I think it's more of, and I, and I think it'll depend on how Clemson ends their year this year. I think it more depends on that. So you, you have a abbreviated season. <clears throat> um, obviously, you lose Notre Dame, who which Notre Dame needs to just, mm-hmm. you know, put the big put the big boy pants on and just join the ACC and stop, you know, being scared. Um, but um, I think it'll depend on how their season, you know, ends up. You know, and, and you know, obviously, if they don't make the college playoff or something happens, he's absolutely going back to Clemson. You can bank on uh. that. So it has nothing to do with. We're gonna have a friend. We're we're having a friendly bet off of the air. This it, one, it, yeah. It, it, so it has nothing to do with New York. <laughs> I just think there's more. There were for him. There would be and just the way that he is. There would be some unfinished business left at, at Clemson. Which I mean, okay. I mean, I he get what you're saying. Like, I, I I I'm with you. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> and, and that would be like, yes, you already have an national championship, but. I mean, dudes like that, you just, that's just kind of how they are. So we haven't done a um, podcast in like four months and you're breaking my heart. The, the, the one you come back, I'm not, break, I'm not breaking your heart. I'm just, I don't want <laughs> you to go all in. 
and be. I'm all in. Know, it's you're way too late on yeah. that. <laughs> have you watched it? Have you watched the Jets this year? <laughs> yeah, but I'm trying to bring you back a little bit. I'm trying to bring you back uh-uh. you know, a little bit. But but no, but I, I mean, Justin Fields obviously isn't Trevor Lawrence. But if you look at his numbers, I mean, it's like one A and one B though. He's yeah, far off. I mean, yeah. he's and he's playing really well this year. I mean, it's mm-hmm. not. You know, it, it's not a – and they're not throwing, the, you know, a ton of balls. I mean, he's probably throwing, you know, 30, 40 balls or whatever it is. But they're, the last couple of games, I think they've been in the 28, 29, 30 range, and he's like 26 to 30, 28 to 29, you know, and no turnovers, you know, that kind of stuff. So he's – you know, he's kind of making his mark. But, I mean, and if Lawrence is there, obviously I get you can't pass on him. But you know my argument to that. So, which is, you know – a wrong one. How is it a wrong one? <laughs> we we just we have a lot of off season to discuss this, Marcus. And I know you'll be back on the off season because we only got like fifteen minutes left or so with you, probably. Let me know when you got to go. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a it's a long it's a long discussion with that whole thing. I, I I've let my feelings be known on this show. I let my feelings be known to you. Um, and it's right, you know. I'm right. It is what it is. But uh, <laughs> somebody, somebody asked you uh, before you were selected in the expansion draft. Did your agent uh, coordinate with the Texans, or did the Jets put you as an eligible player with uh, involvement in your side? I don't know. I don't know exactly what they're trying to ask. What, there, uh, well, what, well, what they do is how it works is they put you. The team makes you available. So I guess if you have these boxes, and every team has a box. And the players that are that are available are put in this box. Um, and then, yes, after that, um, the team, you know, if a team is interested in you, um, they're calling your team or that your agent is calling, you know, said team. And they're kind of like, you know, running a three-way or two-way or how it is or whatever. And, I mean, really, they're both involved, you know, to tell you the truth. Yeah. You know, and it's, you know, it's kind of set up like that. So. That's, you know, that's how it works. I don't know what's necessarily said behind. It's just kind of, mm-hmm. it was just kind of, um, okay, it's you're made, made available. And, uh, yeah, I'm just sitting around waiting. Eligible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You just know that you're eligible. And then, you know, Jimmy Sexton, who was my agent at the time, you know, he was just like, well, you know, Houston's going to take you. Somebody you know, asked, uh, it's so. it seems that the offensive schemes are, in, and you don't have to answer, that offensive schemes are involving more option read, read option. And mobile uh, quarterbacks, do you see defenses playing differently than it did a decade ago? Yes, that that's the easy answer to that question. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's it. Uh, yeah. What style of what style of coaching did you respond best uh, most to? That's from Sh- uh, Shadow Maniac again. Oh, I, I can do either. Okay, and I've had all. Like I've had the mm-hmm. the cool coaches, just kind of like hey, you know, you know, just kind of talk to you normal, whatever it is. And I've had the the dude that you know excuse my language, you know, MF you, you know, up and down the entire time, <laughs> you know, yeah. and it's just kind of like, you know, you just kind of take it as is, you, you know, who you're dealing with. It's not a big deal. You know, does that ever run stuff, thin? Does that ever run thin? Like the guys who MF you up, up and down. Cause I know like with guys like Harbaugh, people say it works for, you know, year two, maybe three, but after that, like fourth, fifth, sixth year, people get, a, it gets a little bit old. Do you, do you fi- did you find that in your career at all? Well, the thing is you got to have, there's got to be a balance of how you MF people. Mm-hmm. So, um, and a way to do it. So, like, for example, if, like, my college coach Spike Dykes didn't really MF you, he just, like, talked, like, he, he just basically just, like, talked trash to you all the time. You know, but it would be good and bad, but in the message was, like, in there in the middle. 
So like Bill, you know, Coach Porcells was the same way. Now Coach Porcells either give you like the look, like the don't F with me look mm-hmm. kind of deal, or you know, or sometimes he'll call you over and he'll love on you, you know, while explaining the message. So you yeah. can't just go all in MFing people like, you know, all you know, you just can't do that all the time. And even Coach Belichick is good about that too. Like sometimes he just probably won't say a damn thing to you, but you'll get <laughs> no. the look. No, you know, yeah. but but on the back end. You know, he may come back, you know, a day later or something or while you're in the meeting room and he'll just say, hey, this is what I'm trying to explain to you. You know, and so you get the message, you know, but if you just out there just MFing people all the time and, you know, talking bad about people and there's hardly any, you know, encouragement, yeah, it gets old. So, like, yeah, it may work the first year or so, you know, two years, but after that, it's just kind of like, dude, I'm not listening to you. Yeah. You know, kind of day. So you don't even hear the message, even if there is a good one, Mm -hmm. you know, so... Yeah, there's got to be a you got there's a way to do it. You know, you got to work it when you do it. I feel like Belichick's like one of those guys, like kind of just like walk up behind you and like softly whisper in your ear to meet him on the practice field an hour early today or something like that to have you running laps or something. I don't think you could do that in the NFL now, but I'm sure when you played, they could do whatever the hell they wanted. Um, yeah. <laughs> which NFL coach taught you the most about football? Which you already said Parcells. Uh, do NFL players learn more from their coaches playing in games? Other players are off season training. That's from M O. Uh, well, probably, I guess now it would probably be off season because we didn't have off seasons the way that they, that they do now. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, we had OTAs and that kind of stuff, but we didn't install a lot. And most of it was just lifting and running during that time. So most of our learning came from being in the classroom, playing the games, you know, once training camp started, you know, um, that's when you got the the bulk of everything. Um, now it's a little different because guys have access to everything on the iPads and, you know, tablets and everything. So you can, I mean, you can literally look at your playbook, you know, 365 days a year. So that's what makes it different. Somebody said, uh, dark demonic said, uh, Marcus, who was your closest friend, uh, when you played for the jets? I always assumed it was Aaron Glenn since you guys are uh, both from Texas. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, mainly Aaron Ray Mickens and, Marvin Jones. So, so the dudes that I usually ran with was Aaron, Ray, yeah. Victor, uh, and Marvin Jones were kind of the guys that I ran with. You know, uh, we have some. Marcus is trying to let us down gently. Forget, uh, forgetting as Jets fans, we don't need the cushion. I guess in terms of of Lawrence, Marcus, we love you. Back off, my man. <laughs> talking about uh, Trevor, Trevor Lawrence. We're used to being abused. Um, somebody else asked, "What can you look for in terms of rays of light in a?" especially bad season? Um, really, you can look kind of what's yeah. happening now is look at your young, the young draft picks. You yeah. Know, the first year guys and the second year guys. Like I said that this know, start every single show. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, it's it, all it yeah, is. I mean, when you're over or you're one in six or one in seven or whatever, like just put the young dudes in and, and let them, you know, basically just baptize them. Yeah. I mean, you yep. know, <laughs> I mean, yeah, just go ahead. I mean, because the season's a wash. I mean, I mean, mm-hmm. to be honest with you, I mean, it's, I oh, mean, I, yes, we, we're, we know that. I mean, we we yes. know that. No, I know, but I have to, you have to be, <laughs> yes, I know there's a chance you can win six straight. You yeah, never know what bullshit. happens, but exactly. But, yeah. <laughs> and that's but, the problem right now with more with, with Jets fans, Marcus, is, and we want the guys like Perrine to play and, you know, uh, whoever else you want to say is a young, you know, Davis and all these guys um, who we both agreed on Davis that he's super raw, uh, really yeah. rough game against the Chiefs. He played a little bit better um, last week um, against the Pats, but, 
it's kind of the problem with the GM who's looking to build towards the future with a coach who's trying to win now to either keep his job or to build his resume for the future. So that's why you see right. guys like Gore playing um, more than P Ryan, et cetera. So that's kind of the problem that Jets fans are having right now, where it's almost like, you know, there's, there's good and bad to keeping Gase because it, ensures you're going to lose because he's terrible but at the same time you're not seeing the young guys so it's kind of a a, a right. pickle that fans are stuck in right now yeah no and i think right now you need to see the young guys just put mm-hmm. them in there and if, if anything it helps them because it gives you more they get the experience going into next year regardless of who's here yeah you know what I'm saying? so yeah i mean i would say yeah just throw them in the fire now we uh we have another question says uh so what style of coaching did you choose then so if you had if you ha- if you had to choose one or the other somebody's very very curious Players coach or uh, disciplinarian? Uh, I always, like I said, either one didn't matter, but I always, you, you there's, there's probably, I will say this, there's, because you, you're motivate you motivate yourself, mm-hmm. but when you've got like that extra, you know, kind of like asshole basically like on your back, it gives you like just a little bit more. So I, I would probably take that dude. I don't mind the MFs because I'm just going to look at you like you're crazy anyway and just listen to you. <laughs> so, but I'll know, but but I, I like the pressure. So I probably, I probably lead more to that dude than just the, the more hands-on players, you know, players, players coach kind of guy. Um, somebody asked, uh, Marcus, uh, do you think uh, there's any future for Bless Austin at safety? I'm not sure how much you've seen of, of Bless Austin, uh, but Overall, do you think there's a future for him at safety? Because he's not playing well at corner right now. I don't. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, yeah, he's struggling at corner. Um, I mean, that's kind of the next move. You know, when you're struggling in the corner, you just moving. You know, you just move inside. But here's the problem with doing that. Basically, safeties now or corners. So that makes it tough. You know, to be honest with you, now it may help him in regards to. I'll just gonna play something from the background in you while you're while you're talking. Yeah. So you can wa- you watch oh, this while you're talking. <laughs> He's in the bottom. No, I got you. Yeah, no, I mean it may help in regards to you know him like covering tight ends or or that kind of stuff. But I mean, if you're struggling that corner, then you know just because of the way this game is now, where you got to cover guys in the slide, um, you know people are playing a lot more eleven personnel. You know things like that. Open it up a bit. It's gonna make it hard. I mean, but honestly, some of the things that he does, I mean, because for, as, from an athletic standpoint, he's not bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, his eyes are bad. Um, and it's just his technique is just is dude, bad, dude. So that, that's, <laughs> oh. I mean, that's, and this is the thing, like, and, and I feel bad for not just you know, players like him that are in New York, but at some other places where I'm just like, dude, like, what are y'all like, what are y'all learning? You know, so because I'm looking at some, I'm just like, what are you doing? That's why I, everybody hypes up Denard <laughs> Wilson. And I don't want to call out like coaches or anything like that, but every every DB that the Jets have had, and like we've watched a lot of film together, uh, especially about DBs and stuff like that. But the Jets DBs, like their technique is so awful. Like, like he yeah. plays inside leverage and he's supposed to play outside leverage. His eyes are inside when they're when they're not supposed to be uh, inside. He takes he's not taking read steps. Instead, he's he's taking he's like taking read steps towards the bottom of of um, when he's like going to throw a T step or a quarter step, like completely off when they're supposed to be. Um, like here, eyes and eyes inside, and then eyes inside again while letting him attack your blind spot. Like don't let them get into your blind spot while your eyes are inside. What are you doing? Like it's really yeah. frustrating to watch things that he's doing. So. Um, he, he, but he's a sixth round pick from last year. So he, he has time to, to bounce back, but 
yeah, he's been a disappointment, but guys that we, you know, didn't like a lot, you know, shocker, Pierre Desir is not playing well right now for the Jets, but um, right. moving on, um, let's see. Uh, how soon do players know uh, their, if their QB is the dude or not? Like, did the players know that Mark Sanchez wasn't the answer right away? So I guess like in your experience, like quarterbacks that you've played with, like, do you know if they're the guy or yeah, like how soon does it take? Because fans, you know, might take them you know, two, three years to really realize, but you guys are sitting there watching the film every day and practicing every day. Um, I mean, you know, especially watching the practice, like, you know, it's just kind of like, like, Yikes. you know, I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, who's going who's gonna to be the guy who's not going to be the guy, but you can't, um, I mean, obviously we can't say anything, but yeah. <sighs> You you can look and see and be like, okay, yeah, he's not gonna be here. Like he'll probably be here. Like he's not gonna be here. He's how much be did you? <laughs> how much did you hate play? Inter- like, uh, how much did you hate interviews? Because to be completely honest, and I've said this to you before, I hate player interviews. Like, I love listening to retired guys talk because they can say whatever they want for the most part. But like yeah. the interviews, are the same thing. We practiced hard this week. We almost we almost had them. Like it's all the same crap over and over again. Like, did you did well, you no, not see, like doing interviews? We'll see. Well, see, that's what they do now. Back in the day, like... Back in my day. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, honestly, I felt like guys were a lot more honest yeah. in the interviews, to be honest with you. You know, and especially some of the bigger personalities that, you know, of guys that played back then. Uh, you know, even the ones that weren't trying to be, you know, even, you know, the more, I, I don't want to say PC, but like the Steve Youngs or the Peyton Mannings. And I mean, they told they just said it like it was. Now, you may not have gotten everything, Mm-hmm. But you got an answer that was like, huh, okay, it wasn't you wasn't you weren't getting the same answer every week like these dudes. Well, you know, the guys come out every week and they practice oh. hard every week and uh well, you know, <laughs> we just we were one or two plays you know, away. Yeah. Like you can't be one or two plays away every week, bro. Like yeah. <laughs> so like now it's just yes, it's everything's very rehearsed and it's almost like somebody like their PR person runs over and be like, Okay, here, this is what you say. And you know, kind of deal. So yeah, I just felt like back, you know, I just felt felt like, you know, prior, like guys were a lot more honest, mm-hmm. you know, with what's going on. If you had a crappy game, you just like, yeah, I had a crappy game, uh, you know, whatever it is. Now, obviously, you don't throw anybody under the bus. That's kind of an unwritten rule, you know, player or coach, which I don't think a lot of people did. Um, Unless you're Adam Gates and you throw your players under the bus. Exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, now, coaches did that. I mean, which, you know, for – you know, and not all coaches did it all of the time. They may do it as kind of like a warning, you know, kind of like a shot across the bow kind of deal where it's just kind of like, you know, you better figure this out here. Or you're not going to be here or somebody else to be playing a spot kind of deal. But it was just, I felt like it was just a lot more honest. Yeah. You know, back then, a lot more open. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Richard uh, Panich asked, uh, what are the biggest problems of Adam Gates as a coach and who would you want to hire in his place? Have you thought about coaching in the NFL? Uh, we have all the time uh, you want for a long answer about Gase with a smiley face. So. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I guess the my only I guess my only thing with Gase is, is it's kind of hard to see the allure when he first came in, and I try to look at it as it is and I understand. You know, him working with kind of hard, with it. you know, <laughs> then you go, yeah, the, you know, and obviously you look at the track record from, you know, Chicago to Miami to like here. And it's just kind of like, you know, you the only thing you can do is just kind of be like, OK, I mean, I don't know, because I wasn't in the interview room. 
mm-hmm. when he interviewed for you. So I don't know what was said. So I don't know. I mean, I guess he told you something that you wanted to hear, but I mean, there's a few other guys over here, you know, that I probably think, you know, would be better. Um, you know, that was my thing. I don't, I, that, and that was kind of, you know, it still is kind of my thing. Like what's the allure of why he got hired and why everybody's like, the, the, you know, the big rumor about cool. that was that Peyton Manning called Woody Johnson and, and recommended uh, his, his buddy and Adam Gase. And that's how, why he was hired, but he's been okay. terrible coach um, in terms of adjustments uh, last week. Um, Marcus are on a 41 yard line with six minutes to go or about six minutes to go in the first quarter score zero to zero. They yeah. pump the ball. You're, you're, yeah. you're Oh, and eight, bro. Like what, like, what are you yeah, doing? His cl- no, his yeah. Clock management. Um, the fact that he always throws players on the bus, he'll literally say in interviews, uh, he'll be like, Oh, well, you know, the Patriots did this, they adjusted this way. And he'll say, Oh, well, I need to watch the film to figure out what went wrong. Hey buddy. I had high school coaches who could tell you what's going wrong in a game while you're coaching it and you adjust. How as an NFL coach not know how to adjust in game? Like how do, I don't know how that's possible. Like we would know that as players, but like, oh my God, you know, their 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 five tech kept shooting inside the B gap and it keeps fucking up our outside zone, like whatever it may be. Like you can adjust to that stuff. And he says, right. Oh, well, I gotta go and watch the film. Like, what? Like he's so beyond lost as a coach, and he's a dick on top of it. So I'm sure the players don't yeah. uh love that, but uh Somebody else, Bill Slocum. Uh, what kind of coach was Al uh, Al Groh to play for? Oh, I love that. Um, Al was <laughs> was well, no, because Al was a little different. Al, Al was, you know, Coach Groh was more philosophical with the way that he got everything across. Like there was always, uh, you know, like he would read something from, you know, a passage of, you know, some, you know, whether it be poetry, some kind of literature, or like something you know, or some other coach that, you know, said something and his messages were strong and the way that he presented everything was like it, like he got your attention. Um, and he was always, um, and see, and he was one of those dudes that had like the balance between, and he really didn't curse that much, but between like getting on somebody and loving you up, like he was really good at that. Like he was yeah. probably like the best. Yeah. He was straight that. Yeah. He was down the middle he, he knew when to do all of that, um, to be honest with you. Like, he was really good at that. But very intelligent dude, like, took care of us in every way. Like, we, I mean, everybody actually loved playing for him the year that that he was the coach. So we thought he was going to be the head coach, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. Like, we were kind of all hoping that he was. Uh, that's how much that we liked him. So, um, no, Coach Grove was great, man. I mean, he really was. You know, he was great before that. You know, as you know, as the LB coach, uh, you know, he was great. I want to um, make – Oh, hey, let me um, – I didn't answer the last, the end of the last question. Yes, oh, okay. I thought about coaching in the NFL real quick. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yes, I have. Um, would love to do that. <clears throat> DB coach in the NFL. I'm going to be, listen, I'll shoot you some texts to be like, yo, why is this guy playing playing off, bro, of third and five? Like, what are you doing? You know, you got yeah, to be doing? DB, DB coach for the NFL. And, and, and I'll probably text you back. Well, he's not going to be here next week, so you don't have to worry about that. So <laughs> you couldn't trust me with that information. Maybe you would. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say anything, but you would not. You know damn sure you're not texting me that shit. <laughs> yeah, I could, yeah. I'll hit it to you, but I couldn't tell it to you straight. Yeah. Or but, a phone um, call, make sure I'm not recording, but a text, that's risky, man. That's there forever. That, that is, yeah, you're right. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, actually I would love yeah, I would love to coach in the NFL. And um, I guess the as far as head coaches, obviously the enemy's on the list. Um I'm trying to think oh, of yeah. I can't I can't remember the, the dude's name. I don't want to pull anybody. And here's the thing: I don't want to necessarily pull anybody from um, 
like the Rams or, you know, Philly or whatever it is, because obviously, you know, that's the hot thing. You know, I like Greg Roman, um, you know, as well. Um, you know, I think um, Coach Caldwell should get a shot again, to be honest with you. Um, I mean, you know, those probably like off the top of my head, those are probably like my, my top three. I mean, I'm sure there's some younger guys out there, you know, that I'm not thinking about right now. Uh, I think yeah. there's a, I think there is a young cat in, oh, what's the name's, um, what's the name's brother? Um, LaFleur's brother. In San Fran, in San Fran. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I can't remember his first name. Yeah, but I, and I actually know, like yeah. him. Like he's, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I mean, offensively, like you'll get, you will, you, it'll be, it'll be better than what you're seeing now. You'll actually be seeing. Oh, thanks. Watch Minnesota, <laughs> well, no, I'm just saying, if you're watching, if you're watching, if you're watching Minnesota, or if you're watching San Fran in Minnesota. That's what you'll get if you get yeah. the brother in here. Yeah, that's what you'll get. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's exciting because now you're gonna be moving the ball. You, it's gonna mm-hmm. be slung all over the place. You're gonna have a good running game. Like outside you, zone, build them off that play zone, action. Yeah, like you'd which, be, which, you'd which would work with either Lawrence or Fields too. You know. Yeah. So Lawrence, a lot going on, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Um, see <laughs> Which is, and again, for people who haven't watched me and Marcus before, uh, Marcus is generous with, with his time. And I, I, I think me and him are buddies at this point, but during the off season, if a, if yeah. a coach does, if a coach does come in, uh, you know, I definitely will have Marcus on, I, I think to, to break down a little bit of their film DB stuff like that. I always have Marcus on to, to break it down. So he's very generous with that. Um, somebody asked in all caps, please actually, no, I'm going to ask my question before this, just in case you have to go. So I want to do like a really quick lightning round for people who don't know. Uh, you have like five seconds to answer these, each of these questions. So we can get back to that ones. If you have time, uh, best okay. wide receiver of all time, Jerry Rice, <laughs> best running back of all time. Uh, oh, oh, Lord. Um, <laughs> that's tough. I would say, but see, I like Marshall Falk though. I'm a Marshall Falk dude. All right, all right. Best quarterback of all time. Best quarterback of all time. Um, best quarterback of all time. Can it be playing currently? Yeah. Why you talking mean, about? It's, it's gonna be Brady. Patty? Yeah. Oh. Oh. Okay. I was going to say, yeah, Patty would be a little bit too early, but Brady, yeah, yeah, I get that. It's going to be Brady, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Best cornerback of all time. Cornerback of all time. Uh, I would say, and I love Prime, but I'm going to go with Rod Woodson. I think, yeah, I think I've asked you that before. You've said that. Safety. Who's the best safety of all time? Uh, Best safety of all time? Uh, Ed Reed. Ed Reed, yeah, yeah, I think so too. Uh, <laughs> did you ever? You had to. Did you ever cross paths with Brian Dawkins? Did you ever play again? Because he's my favorite player of all time. Yeah, um, he was I, a little bit Brian, past you, but like seeing him come out of the tunnel like he did with all that smoke and crawling out and the yeah. Wolverine shit. Like, what was that? Brian like? would, dude, Brian was awesome, dude. Actually, Brian and I—that was the same class, '96. So okay, yeah, yeah. So, um, Brian, Laurie Malloy. These are the dudes that went ahead of me, by the way. That's why I'm counting. So Brian, <laughs> I know, so you yeah. know, I got you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so Brian, Lawyer Malloy, Jerome Woods, who played in Kansas City, he was from Memphis. Um, 
some few other people that kind of like mixed in. But those are like, but I, I even I remember watching B Dawk in college when he was at Clemson. Like that dude was the dude. He's you a know, savage, bro. That savage. dude was yeah. I I, and I I used to like watching him a lot. Just like I said, even in college, if I had a chance to watch Brian, I used to like watching him then. And then once he got to the league, obviously, you know, having a chance to you know talk to him and meet him a few mm-hmm. times. Um, just because I know Bobby Taylor, you know, I've known Bobby since high school. Um, so obviously, I used to hang out with you know those Philly dudes. But yeah, B Dark was the man, dude. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. No, uh, middle linebacker. Do you have one of those? I, I didn't even throw it in there, but I don't know. There's like a lot of argument, like Ray Lewis and Brian Urlacher, like the Zach Thomases, and I'm I know, sure man, guys. That's hard. that's hard, dude. Because I mean, you still got a Singletary. Yeah, uh, I mean, like, there's so many dudes. Like, yeah, that's probably the hardest. The, the defensively is probably, or once you start getting them, like linebacker. DBs not so much. I, DBs is okay, but like linebackers, like D linemen, it's kind of like, whew, like it's tough. Mm-hmm. Like the because there's the a lot. Yeah, there's a there's lot. a lot. Yeah, because there's a lot. And I feel like those positions are, are there, there's yeah, there's a lot more like uh, there's a lot better players. I think corner and safety are a lot harder positions to play, in, in, in my yeah. opinion. Um, and you're and you're on an island too, so you stick out a lot more. Where it's you, it's really obviously you depend on your guys, you know, depending on the coverage and and passing off zones and stuff like that. But it's a lot of you on an island, and if and if you fuck up, you fuck up. Like there, <laughs> nobody's gonna help you. So, um, somebody asked. Uh, I think I already no, I didn't say this already. Please ask him about the team being out coached for nine weeks after halftime, please. <laughs> I, I can't answer that question for you. <laughs> yeah, I don't. <laughs> That's he funny. doesn't adjust. It's that. It's yeah, that easy. No, yeah, he's just not making any adjustments. Yeah. Um, it seems a lot of players get injured uh, during his tenure. I guess Adam Gase, uh, which brings me uh, up to this question: What do you think about the NFL adding two more season games? Um, as long as they make it even, because I think they're going to add to it, <laughs> take away two preseason games, right? As long as they do that. I don't think it'll be – it won't make that much of a difference, to be honest with you. Somebody asked Richard P- Painich, uh, how did you and Joe meet any good Joe stories? Uh, meet, we we – I I asked Marcus to do a DB show. Uh, I forget what DB it was, and we did it, and, I was, and we talked after. He's like, hey, you enjoy it? Yeah, okay. Hey, want to do more shows? Okay, sweet. That was yeah. pretty much it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so that's that, yeah. that's really it. We just we just talk film and we talk football, and that's what we like doing. Um, yeah. So he said, this is a really cool collab. Coleman is a really cool guy. I'm a Giants fan, though, and we got a dub today, so good luck next week, man. All right. Yeah, hey, we All appreciate right, Giants fans. Uh, I like you guys winning. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if I, I, I said this to you or, or, or Saber before. I want the Giants to win because I don't want them to get the quarterback they want. So, like, no, no. I, listen, I like some Giants fans, but I am the only Jets fan in an entire family of Giants fans. So I, I get roasted at Thanksgiving oh, no and doubt. Christmas. So yeah. I can't root for the Giants. I'm sorry. But what are your thoughts yeah, on Giants fans? Out. You like Giants fans? Cool. Answer this All right. carefully. All right. Cool. No, I don't, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't have a problem. I've never had any problems with, with Giants fans, though. To be honest, yeah. I've never had the any, white any color, that's right. Yeah. yeah. You know, <laughs> um, yeah. So, Rich, that's 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 how we met. Marcus is a cool dude. I, I have said that before too. All, all fair and stuff. You're you know really easy to get along with. But uh, let's see. Yeah. Um, 
Any other drop some more questions here? I have lost some other ones up top, but um, we're not even to get into the, the stuff about uh, the Jets this year, really, unless you, unless you want to, uh, Marcus. But I know you you have to do some some things soon, um, so maybe we could we could collab after the uh, the season yeah. again to talk about some of that stuff because uh, you are a busy man, obviously uh, doing all your coaching and stuff like that. But do you have any more time, or what do you? Yeah, I was, well, I, I mean, I can ask a couple more questions when I get out here. I got about five more minutes. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. As a, so I want to ask something too about the season and, and being in the locker room, um, in terms of a Jets player this year, like if you're in that locker room, you're a veteran at this point, you're not a veteran, but you're, you're a player in that locker room and you see what's going on with the Jets. Like, what is, what is your mindset? A lot of people like question people's dedication. Um, they question if they want to be here. Like if you're a Jets player in this locker room, like, are you, are you going to resign with the Jets? Are you trying to get out of here? Like what's, What's uh? What would be your thoughts if you were on this Jets team this year? Zero and nine, probably not going to win a game. If if a game maybe warranted, you know. Well, honestly, I mean, young me is. I'm just trying to get better, you know. Because again, obviously, I've been in that situation. So young me is. You're just trying to play this. You yeah. know, you're trying to get better. You're trying to play the season out, um, and really, you're auditioning for the next coach that could potentially come in there. Same thing with vets. Um, you, uh-huh. want, you still want to come in, come to work. You absolutely know, you know, whether you want to stay there, you know, stay in New York or you want to go elsewhere. Either way, you're auditioning for the next coach, whether it be in New York or wherever else that you may be going. So you still got to show up, even if yeah. it's not right and it sucks. Mm-hmm. But yeah. at the end of the day, it's your responsibility and it's your job to show up. You still, whether you like it or not, need to be dedicated to your craft and, mm-hmm. and and really try to get better every week. I mean, and that's how you approach it. You can't start thinking about next year or down the line or whatever. You still just got to go week by week, get through the week, you know, and start over next week. Um, I will say in the middle of that, you got to find – you do have to find different ways to motivate yourself or, to you know, to make things, you know, more interesting. So whether it be – working on a different technique, learning, you know, watching film, um, you know, in a different way or, or, um, you know, you just got to find something to kind of keep that edge. You know, even if it's like changing your workout in the weight room, like you got to do something like, yeah, like you do. We've discussed this. We have, because listen, if you can't find motivation on a player, especially now you're making millions of dollars a year. And that's, that's the largest amount of money you're going to make over you know, a short period, a lot of guys, right. it's two years, a lot of guys, it's three years. It could be as long as 15, but if you can't find a motivation to, to, to ball out for 16 games and in practice to make that right. much money, then you're kind of just stupid at that point. Like if you're not going to try, yeah. you're kind of dumb. Like we, we've, we've talked about that. Like you gotta, you gotta yeah. capitalize on your, on your biggest money making opportunity you can in your life. So if you can't right. find a motivation to just that in your teammates in your family, watching and your friends, like then you, you, I don't want you on my team. Like that's what happened with Wilkerson. Like he was just, you know, I'll be honest, he's a pansy. And a lot of people say, oh, and I'll get this all the time, Marcus. And I admit it all the time. Yeah, Muhammad Wilkerson could kick your ass. No shit. He's 6'3", 300 pounds yeah. and kick my ass. Yeah. I'm talking about his mindset. Like, I'll, right. I'll say that like about players. Like, yo, listen, like this player really sucked from, from Bless Austin. He's better than you. Yeah. No shit. <laughs> like, I get it, bro. <laughs> but uh, Steven said, Joe, Joe making Moth County proud. Uh, okay, we got a couple more uh, good questions. Brian Fernandez, Marcus, do you think the 1996 one in 15 jets could beat this year's jets team. I know what you're going to say. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. So much more talent on that team from everything I've heard. Absolutely, yeah. I don't think, yeah. Go back and, yeah, I would say, go back and look at the 96 roster. You'd be like, holy crap. Look what you did in 97. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah. Uh, Lester, Philip, Marcus, uh, what do you think, what do you look for in a corner in a, uh, a system fit or an athlete? I guess in general, what do you look for in a corner? Like what are your oh, first general, traits? Um, one, I, I, I'd rather have the athlete. I don't want a system dude because I like my DBs to be interchangeable, you know, and just me being a defense coordinator, like I want my, you know, everybody obviously has to know what everybody's doing, but if there are injuries or if I need to move someone or something happens, you know, I need, you know, guys to be able to, if a corner, if he needs to move inside to play the nickel or play one of the safety spots, he can do that. If I need one of the safeties to bump out and play corner, he can do that. Or, you know, I like my guys to be, you know, athletic and be interchangeable. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, I'm, gonna, I'm not really big on system guys. Um, somebody asked uh, your opinions on Sam Darnold. Look, I like Sam. <laughs> uh. This is the current player I, answer. <laughs> Here we go. No, I mean, no, I like Sam. <laughs> I think Sam is getting a crappy deal right now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and I can't even really, I can't even blame him, you know, for what's happening. You know what I'm saying? So it's, I mean, because I'm sure he's going in and he's getting the work that he's trying to get, but he's not getting a whole lot of help. So, yeah, I, I mean, I honestly feel bad for the dude, you know, to be honest with you. And now, um, you know, I know he's got the shoulder injury and, you know, they're talking about he's going to play. And I hope he's not getting pressed, you know, like on the back end. Um, yeah. You know, by anybody on the, and I'll just say, I'll just say, I hope he's not getting pressured or pressed by anybody on the back end, you know, to make him play, you know, through that, particularly how this season's going. No, yeah. yeah and I, mean, I would, and I've stated a lot too with, with, with him is like, I feel bad for his situation, especially in his first one or two years. But at a certain point, like he's damaged goods. And I, I think he is at this point. And there's a lot of plays like this. And again, like, you know, obviously, you know, I break this down every week, blah, 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 blah. But a lot of, a lot of situations where he's trigger shy. And it's and it's really frightening to to see um, because people will talk about oh well his receivers and that's true to to a very large extent because there are definitely a lot of plays where there's nobody open and Sam has nowhere to throw to but the plays mm-hmm. that are there to be made he's not making which is also very concerning to me um, a la this play where he drops back reads left you have you have a dig from the uh, what is this from the uh, from the uh, boundary right. side right here yeah. and. He doesn't throw the ball. So then you see this on broadcast for people. Oh, well, you know, he got sacked. The offensive line sucked. No one was open. But like I said, Marcus, does this matter if this is Lawrence Cager, undrafted free agent, or or your number one receiver? If he's open, you got to hit him. And he's looking there. You can see in the other view, too, that he that he looks there um, pretty much for us, you know, as soon as he turns back to the to the uh to the concept, he's reading the middle. And for whatever reason, he skips on it and does not throw it and then ends up taking a sack and hurting his shoulder. So like, at what point is he damaged goods where he cannot return uh, to what he was or on the trajectory that he was originally on? Because his first year, we watched a lot of him and he showed a really lot of, a lot of high highs, some low lows, but this year it's been a lot of this, this, these type of plays that he's uh, it, it's consistent too. It's not just one play a game. It's at least five to 10 plays a game um, that may be not as dramatic as this, but a lot of examples of him not reading leverages, him him rushing his reads, him uneasy in the pocket, him not being willing to throw or step up into the pocket and take a hit and deliver a ball. Like it's a lot of this type of stuff. So at what point do you say he's not the guy? Well, it's only year two, so you can't say he's not the guy. In year it's, two, it's, particularly, it's three, it's three now. Or three, excuse me. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but still, 
he made progress from year one to year two. I mean, it's not his fault that mm-hmm. who he's working with is not helping him, you know, progress and be a better quarterback. That's not mm-hmm. on him. Um, right now, I think where he is now, I mean, especially just looking, especially from the end zone, end zone view, looking at that play. I mean, yes, that's a DB standing there, um, but the hole is there. It's more of a oh, confidence yeah. thing now than yeah. anything else. So, and so when you, yes, when you you're not used to seeing open guys, when you have no rhythm, when you're mm-hmm. used to running for your life all the time, like that's just he just has no confidence right now. Yeah. Like he doesn't. He honestly has no trust. He has little trust in himself, and probably let more, you know, more, you know, you know, less trustful, you know, with, you know, what's going on in front of him. And he's just, that's why he's scared to pull the trigger right now. Like he's just lacking confidence because nothing, nothing is going, you know, really going right right now. Yeah, it's, uh, there's, there's a lot of it. And even like when he is trying to, uh, deliver ball and he makes the right reads, it's, it's a lot of him with his mechanics, like his mechanics at USC, even in his first year were, you know, were, they were bad, but he made nine out of 10 throws of those bad mechanics this year. It seems like almost half of his throws with the bad mechanics he misses and like mm-hmm. plays like this are not okay. Yeah. It's not easy. You know, you step up, you roll out to the right. Obviously he sees Perryman deep mesh concept versus versus man, which is a perfect call. This is, this is wide open in the NFL. Like this is open. And regardless of you moving in the pocket or not, you have right. to hit this throw and he just not, he just, it's just not happening. And like you said, it's, it's a confidence thing. It's how they built around him. But that's the argument is, and I said this a lot. I don't think Donald is unsalvageable, but I just can't right. skip on a guy like Fields or like Lawrence at this point, banking on Donald becoming one of those top guys. Because, like you know, there's only a couple of guys who went on their second contracts, and it's the guys like Big Ben, you know, uh, Aaron Rodgers, uh, Drew Brees, Tom Brady. So you have to mm-hmm. bank on him being a top ten, top five guy right now, and I don't think you can bank on that. So that's why I'm taking one of those guys, resetting the rookie contract, letting them, you know, work with a, uh, you know, a new coach and not kind of, uh, you know, eliminate those bad habits that he's learned. So it's 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 yeah. a really it's, it's it's definitely a deep conversation. Yeah. Oh, no doubt. I mean, we can. Yeah, we can definitely go deeper into that. You know, it. I mean, just at the just. So at you know base level, like you just feel bad that he's regressed the way he has. Oh, for sure, I need to get just, because, just because just because of what's happened, and yeah. a lot of this stuff, like like we we both said, is out of his control. You know, there's only so much he can do. I mean, honestly, I mean, if you look at Houston, Deshaun's kind of feeling he's kind of doing, doing going through the same thing right now. I mean, yeah. he, I hate to, I mean, you hate to say it, but he is like mm-hmm. he's going through the same thing right now. So. Yeah. Uh, you know, so we'll just have to see uh, and see what happens the rest of the year and next year. Yeah, he's got a lot to prove. Um, somebody else asked, um, let's see, uh, from what I see in other games, there seem to be a lot of PI calls. Do you think defensive players are at a great disadvantage of these calls or are they just not addressing properly? <laughs> it's impossible to play corner. That's the, that's the it's, answer, uh, right? It's, yeah. yeah. I mean, it is, but it isn't. Um, I say it's both. Here's why. Yes, the PI the PI calls suck. They they are very ticky tacky, oh, but yeah. because a lot of these DBs and I mean I just even watch some of the, watching the games that I saw today, like dudes just always want to grab guys. Nobody's playing the ball. You're just playing the man. Everybody's always in, you know trailing and in panic mode trying to catch up. I'm like you making it easy on the ref. So they you know you know they gonna throw the ball throw the you know throw the flag. <laughs> I mean, it's evident. So I say yeah. it's both. To be honest with you, it's possible to play corner, 
if you do it the right way, and there are some dudes that are playing, you know, that are playing, you know, corner the right way without being handsy and doing all that stuff, like, you know, Gilmore and, uh, you know, you know, it really kind of that entire secondary, really, you know, the two outside, two corners in New England, uh, Miami's corners, you know, and safeties, you know, Pittsburgh's. So there's, you can do it. You just got to be technically sound in, in doing it, though. But, yeah, you know, a lot of these cats, because, you know, and I don't know what that is at the top. Um, <laughs> that's what I'm showing. Yeah, it's bad. Oh, okay. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like the technique is just so bad, and everybody's in panic mode. That you make it easy on the refs to call. Like you just make it so easy for them. I we um, we talk about so much too when we when you know when we do break down DB film. I don't get the the no man's land, opening your hips up, not getting shuffles in, not getting hands on. It's you're you're, you're completely eliminating the effectiveness of press. Like if you're going to play off, play off, take your read steps, see the drop, and then adjust. Don't play right. off, and then like if if you're if it's like a hinge technique, you're gonna press him and, and bail into a into a zone. Then fine, but this uh, it uh it's all over the NFL bad corner play. So I think they are in a tough position, like you said. But I I think that the talent level is kind of dropping um as well. So I definitely agree with that. Um, but yeah, it's littered. The Jets defensive backs for the last couple of years, like Desir and Austin, um. Tremaine Johnson has been really, really bad or was really, really bad for the, um, for the jets. Let's see if there's anything else in here. Uh, is Marcus may worth a new deal? Uh, gonna take a lot to keep him. Um, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't, he's, he's a, <laughs> I'm like, so I, I can, I, I compared some of the jets, some of the jets DBs the other day, like some of the people like Brian pool, people say he's one of the best slot corners in the NFL, which I think is uh, overhyping him. Um, cause at a certain point when you're, and I, and this is the comparison I made, I think it's a good analogy. When you are running away from a bear with your friends, you don't have to be the fastest guy. You just got it. You just can't be the slowest guy. And I exactly. kind of think that's the situation with a lot of jet safeties <laughs> and DBs right now is you just can't be the worst. Cause you're not going to get targeted as much. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, yeah, that's a hell of a way to put it, but yeah. <laughs> yeah right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, do you think uh, do you think part of the bad defense being played has to do with limited f- physical practice? Uh, yeah, a little bit goes into that, particularly when you're talking about leverage in regards to like tackling. Um, you know, obviously, if you're a corner playing press and you know being able to get your hands on receivers, or even if you're just playing two, or you know, coming up, you the force cloud corner or the you know the force safety. I think. You you gotta you gotta have some physical practices. You honestly have to have a few more than what they allow now. <clears throat> you just do. I mean, and there are a lot of while yes, as players, you know, they're fighting to keep that down as minimal as they can. A lot of some of the older guys actually understand that, like you know, dude, we need some like we need to have hats on. You know, that's why you see like with certain places, they're not the ones you know really fighting. You know, against physical practices or padded practices, you know, a la Baltimore, Pittsburgh, you know, Saints, you know, the places where, you know, where they went all the downtime, you know, those places, you know, you know, yeah. So, you know, and that's, you know, it is kind of evident, you know, when you look at these other places and they're the ones where coaches practice too hard and okay, well, that's why you're, you know, that's why you finished the year, you know, three or 13. I mean, okay. Yeah. A lot, a lot of times that's why, you know, you know, Lack of talent and, and, and lack of being able to practice. So, have you uh, have you seen any of uh, Dem- Denzel Mims in the last couple of weeks? 
Uh, I watched last week. Um, I actually watched a lot of the game last week. And he looked, I mean, he looked good, to be yeah. honest with you. Um, and, you know, I think that's what everybody was expecting. You know, the, you know, big grabs, you know, big body, uh, definitely showed his speed, uh, which yeah. you know, we all know that he has. Um, but it, it was good to see him back and healthy, you know, and making big plays. Yeah, we uh that was a guy who I've I've spoke about it a lot since we've since we've done the show um on Mims because you broke down that film with me again. People can always go back and watch that. But um we both liked him like a lot. Like we yeah. we were kind of bad. Like I, I felt I felt bad for some guy. Like we like we did the, we a couple shows in a row, like we did the seer, then we did Davis, then we did another defensive back, and we were kind of like roasting him, roasting him, roasting him, roasting him. <laughs> and so, so yeah. Mims, like, I felt bad, but then, then we got to to Mims, and we were like hyping him up, like you were saying, like you could, you feel like he could be a legit number one, like just based on his his body, his yak ability, his his ability to catch balls outside of his frame, um, yep. the way he runs routes for being six two, six three, like even on this play, like there's, there's certain routes that he's on the top right here. Like there's certain mm-hmm. routes that he runs and he doesn't run it with the best technique. Like, like here, I, you know, it, I think he's lunging a little bit too much into that stop step where he's, I, he's a little bit overextended. You want to go, you want to slam a little bit more down, but yeah. he does things like that, but he still gets have his break, like pretty damn quick for a guy who's six. Yeah. Three. So <laughs> yeah. if he improves that shit, like he, he could, his, his frame and his ability to run routes, even with poor technique and get and whip out of those, out of those uh, breaks, not a lot of dead time at the top of those breaks. Yeah. Uh, I think he could be really good. Like I am really, really excited for, for him as a Jets fan. Yeah, trajectory-wise, I mean, even just off of last week and just how he looks, he kind of – he's – he, and I hope he does. Like, he, he looks like he's going to be kind of on the Julio Jones kind of trajectory. Like he does. Like he, oh, that's, God. I'm being serious. <laughs> that, no. If I, it, 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 He's a young Julio to me. Like so, he is. He's just, so this is the quote that I always say from their show. And I, I don't know. That's not verbatim. But I, on that show, specific, uh, specifically, we, we both said we feel that he could be a top five to ten wide receiver. And I compared him to A.J. Green. And you thought that was a relatively decent comparison, which I think Julio is even more of a monster than A.J. Green. But those long, lanky guys who can who, yeah. who are strong, who can get out of routes, who can, who can extend, um, catch the ball outside the frame. Like he – Man, like uh, the Jets fans don't have a lot to be excited about, but like even little things, I, I don't know if I have this play, um, but there's little things that I'm starting to, to notice about his route running that was really exciting. Like, and it was something that I'm sure nobody talked about, minus on on the show. And I'm, you know, I guess to toot to my horn, I don't mean to do that, but I, there's not a lot of people who talk about mesh concepts and things like that, and and why it was important what he did. But like, there's a play I'm not gonna be able to find it, but. He did a really good job pushing pushing the mesh concept and, and pushing his route vertical to let the natural rub kick in. Um, mm-hmm. And you could saw like it was like a a uh, what's the word like it was he really thought about doing it. It wasn't um, I can't think of the word I'm trying to think of, but he he said it really well. Like he's he's starting to learn the nuances of route running and, and how to get open within route concepts and things like that. That's 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 really a, a positive. Um, and we watched a lot of that film like of uh, of him at Baylor and like I said for you to say Julio like a potential Julio like goddamn um, yeah yeah no I that's that's really what I see him as I really do see him right now he looks like a and even just kind of what because watching the game last week and then watching the few clips that you just showed now and I was even thinking while I was watching the game last week I was like dang this dude like Julio I'm like if he starts because when Julio first came out I mean, uh, Julio was actually ahead of him because Julio was yeah. running hella, 
great yeah. wrestling in Alabama, yeah. though. But if well, Baylor versus it, ba- Alabama versus Baylor, you know, yeah, yeah oh yeah. But well, I mean, mm-hmm. if if Mims can learn how to, and I, this is the same thing that I teach to like taller DBs. If you learn how, to, if he learns how to, you know, you get that extra D lift. Like if you watch Julio, if you you watch him, his knees are a little bit. He runs a little higher than what, you know, you would think he, you know, he probably should. Um, but he's cutting down his steps in order to come out of his breaks. That's why he gets in and out of his breaks so fast. Yeah, he didn't even have to use his speed a lot anymore because. Like every break is like so precise, you know. And Jerry mm-hmm. Rice was the same way. If you go watch Jerry, Jerry looks like he's high knee running high with high knees all the time. But part of that, yeah, process, selling that selling that hundred when you're running at ninety, exactly. Yes. So mm-hmm. you know you, but it, you have more control when you know when your hips are aligned like that, and you can put your feet down. Boom, boom, out of your breaks. Boom, boom, out of your breaks. You can go either way. That's why Julio's so good. If Mims can learn how to do that, and he's got the frame to do it. Yeah, you. and you're you're altering that you're altering that gate, you know. Yeah. yeah so yeah. Um, and there's people. Somebody said. Uh, and listen, for, I, again, for people who are not familiar with Marcus, uh, he's brutally honest when we watch films. So there's there's DBs and receivers we watch. And he's like, nah, this ain't it. <laughs> so <laughs> for you to be like that high on Mims, which we both were, um, um, you know, it's it's definitely it's definitely exciting. Uh, let's see. Somebody said, I, yeah, like Mims would love Allen Robinson on the other side of it. You have Robinson Mims and Crowder next year for the new re- quarterback. Like, damn, that's like I said, that's, 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 that's pretty good. Somebody said Gilmore would have shut him down. Let's not get carried away. Yes. Gilmore is the best cornerback in the NFL and he's a rookie. So yeah. yes, that would happen. But that's, that's not what we're saying. I'm not saying, yo, he's Julio right now. He's going to toast right, Gilmore. No, we're, we're talking about pro- trajectory. Trajectory. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So let's, I'm not, I'm not getting carried away. Uh, but you know, He's exciting. Um, guys like Ashton Davis is is a guy who really needs to to develop. We saw a lot of rawness in his game, a lot of staring down the quarterback, um, reacting to when the quarterback's throwing, not not anticipating, not staying over route con- uh, concepts properly, things like that. So um, he'll develop. What do you think about? Uh, have you seen Beckton at all? Yeah, I mean, besides him throwing people out of the club, like yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, wanna, yeah. I like him though, man. I like that dude, and I'm, and I said this. Uh, I think, I think you agree with me uh, at the end. I think you wanted um, who's the dude? Worth? Worse. Yeah, I think you like Worth better, but I'm like, no, this is the dude that even like. Yeah, him. like yeah. this is the dude. Yeah, like he's he's slightly below Worth, you know, as far as. You know development and mm-hmm. you know you know and, and you know technically obviously but I'm like no 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 I'm like this is the dude they need right now like they need the a hole he's a t- like, he's a tone setter yeah like they need this is the dude you need you got to have that dude and technically he'll get better like his ceiling's high like he'll he's gonna get better he's actually playing well you know oh, he's been playing oh, well yeah. that's oh, what yeah. I'm saying so like and he's the a hole I'm like you got you you hit the you know you you, hit, you at least hit the daily double right now so like you're good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so yeah, so I'm, I, you know, when he's, when I guess you know, as he continues to get better this year, and then however or whoever is going to be the coach next year, depending on what they're playing next year, like he's going to be, you know, I know right now, like Tulsa is like supposed to be the stud. I'm like, this dude is going to be right on, on his heels. Yeah, like, and I, I, this isn't even the best play of him, but he just moves dudes out of the club. Like he, he. So my, yeah. there, there are some problems. Like, like you said, technically wise, he definitely needs to to improve on some things. Um, there, there are a couple plays where he kind of he tends to to th- he tries to throw guys instead of like climbing that tree. Like I said, like you know, grabbing them, gripping them, you know, working off his insteps and driving them through the second level. 
So there's some right. there's a little bit too much of that where he throws guys, they readjust, they they beat him, you know, athletically because listen, he, yeah, he's a freak athlete. But at the same time, he's 365 and a defensive back is quicker than him. So he disengages a little bit too much and allows guys to guys to move around him with their lateral, you know, their lateral athleticism. So I think he needs to improve that a little bit. But in terms of like, again, another guy with his trajectory, you're talking about your first two picks in Douglas. Um, one guy, if healthy, looks like he could easily be a top 10 left tackle in the league. I think pretty, uh, pretty easily um, he could do that. And then Mims could be, you know, a number one receiver. So I, I, I like the the uh, the outlook of his of his draft class. But Marcus, you do have to to run. So we appreciate, you know, over the the hour and a half or so. Um, off season, we'll definitely get you back on. I'm sure. Talk about the, no the Jets whole season. We'll talk about the Jets head coaching search. We'll talk about why Trevor Lawrence is coming out of school and why he's the right pick for the Jets. <laughs> uh, but uh, Marcus, we, we appreciate your time. Any any uh, closing closing words, closing thoughts? No, man. I just uh, I just look forward to, to being on with you again. I always have a good time with you. And um, hey, yeah. appreciate y'all asking all the questions. Though you know, don't don't be shy. You know, uh, hopefully we get a lot more people coming in. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the next time I'm on and yeah, fire away. Like, you know, like Joe said, like I'm, I'm honest. I tell, you know, I try to tell it like it is. So yeah, you know, that's, that's just, you know, that's just kind of how we roll. So awesome. Appreciate you, Marcus. All right, my man. Until next time. Yeah. I'll text you about <laughs> uh, Donald and Lawrence soon. I'm sure. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, my man. All right. Cool. So appreciate Marcus. Uh, we're going to bring on, Oh, there he is. Perfect time. Sabo, Sabo for a little bit. Um, I think I think the bear would get me at at my age right now, to be honest. The the bear would get you. <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay. If it's me, you and Marcus. Ooh, uh, I mean, twenty years ago, I think I'd be okay. At, yeah. At my age now, I don't think so. I think you're I, in the clear, my friend. I I feel you. I uh, I'm starting to get to that age now where like 24, like probably like 24, it's sort of hitting me. Where like you, I used to be able to eat Taco Bell and go to football practice and shit like that, but like now I I eat Taco Bell and I go to bed and I wake up the next day indigestion feels like you know heartburn. I can't breathe. You know all this stuff. But uh, you're you're a youngster. Don't sweat it. You're, you're, yeah, you're doing pretty good. So, uh, yeah, we appreciate Marcus being on again. Uh, awesome freaking dude. Like we, uh, you know, like Marcus a lot. We break down the film, uh, really honest too, which is, which is a, a rarity, um, from some people who are former players. So definitely like that. Uh, we're going to run through some topics cause I think a lot of people listen to you, Sabo and in, in, in general, if they're listening to me, I'm sure they're listening to you as well. Um, but we did talk about Sam Darn a little bit and it's, it's a, it is a pretty, uh, it's a topic that's, that's regurgitated a lot, but I'm sure you're on the train as, as well as I am. It's, it's root for the Jaguars to win, get Trevor Lawrence. Uh, that's the right answer at this point. I, again, with what I was talking about with Marcus, I don't think it's that Donald is unsalvageable at this point, but I don't think you can bank on that over a quarterback prospect who is going to be the most highly touted guy in the last, you know, eight to eight, nine, ten 10 years. And then even with fields, who is a surefire number one, number two guy, I still think it's the right decision to take him even over Donald as well. Yeah. And, and you said it, it's the contract, the salary cap. That's the mm-hmm. biggest thing. I mean, you, Douglas, he cannot pass up a, a year one rookie quarterback, you know, not to mention the best prospects is Andrew Luck. Just can't, can't do it. No matter, no matter the arguments, you can't do it. Would there mm-hmm. be a, a good argument if they were both starting at the same place? Yeah. Donald and Lawrence? Yes. But even then, you just can't pass the guy up. Especially the bad habits and stuff too. Like I've 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 said that before. Like they if they were starting on their on their first year, and if it was Donald year one, versus um, and, and what and kind of his mentality, his mindset, the things he didn't learn versus Lawrence, then yeah, you can make the argument. But he's clearly learned bad traits. Like it's 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 in, it's inevitable. If, if you don't if you don't think that that's the truth, then you're not you're one you're not 
following Jets X Factor. That's for damn sure. And yeah. we've we have there are definitely some people, and I'm you know definitely truthful sometimes uh, too much to a fault, but there are people who think we roast the Jets a little bit. Um, listen, the Jets are a bad team, and we're honest. Like we watch the film, we 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 break down the stats. Obviously, Nania does that. You do that a little bit as well. I, I'm not really a stats guy, but. The Jets are bad. We're going to say that they're bad. Like, they're not going to be like, oh, my God, this team is the best, you know? So um, people's kind of kind of uh, got to live with it. Um, somebody said hello to you, Sabo. Uh, Lester Phillip, which I think is uh, – I always think that's – what's his name? Um, Charmin. Yeah, Charmin. That's yes. his name. I always forget it. It's, it's it's not a normal name like Mike, so I, I forget it sometimes. Yep. Um, the Colts let Peyton Manning go hard to justify holding on to Darnold. Uh, that, was a little, that was a little bit different, though, obviously, with Peyton Manning and his injury and, and where they were at that time. But – the sentiment's yeah. kind of the same. We can't skip on the best quarterback to come out in, in many, many years. Uh, what do you think about what, what Marcus said about Mims? What are, your, what are your thoughts on Mims so far? I, I agree. I think he's, I think he could be a number one for sure. Mm-hmm. And that A.J. Green comparison, when I first heard it on your guys' show, I thought that was spot on. Yeah. He looks exactly like A.J. Green. Um, and like you guys talked about, his route running isn't quite perfect yet, quite there yet. But it looks like he has the tools, the feet to get there if, if he could take everything in as he goes along. So, yeah, uh, you know, I think like Douglas with Becton and Mims, you can't be happier when evaluating Douglas right now. Yeah, for sure. And, and the thing about Mims, like I said, like him being able to get out of his breaks without perfect technique, um, whether it be the stop step, the second stop step, you see him leaning out of it a little bit too soon. You see him sitting down, or sitting out of it, leaning out of it a little bit too soon. Like if he commits to those stop steps, if if he throws his body over his brakes, like things like that, like he is going to be able to get out of his brakes ridiculously fast. And especially for a guy who has that speed, who has that frame, like how do you play him? Uh, so, and that's why those guys, the AJ Greens, the, the Julios are freaks. And um, obviously Julio's a little bit more of a freak than AJ Green. But if you, if, if, if I tell you right now that, you know, he's going to be AJ Green. Like you're gonna take that any day that we oh. like he was legit top five number one receiver uh for how many years, AJ Green? You know, eight, eight, nine years, you know, yeah. or not maybe and, not that long, but but around that. It's a it's a one-on-one league, you know, with the rules. So mm-hmm. having that guy on the sideline, it, it's huge. It means the world to to the offense and the quarterback. Um, so something that we talked about with Marcus too is a little bit about Becton. Uh, I know you obviously you watch the film too. What are your thoughts on Becton's techniques? I've talked about it a little bit where I I think he's Again, throws guys a little bit too much. Uh, the last the, the last game, he he didn't commit to like a base block, and he didn't just drive the guy out of the gap that he was supposed to. He he kind of just relied a little bit too much on his power. And it seems like the last couple of weeks, he's he's and again, people are gonna kill me, but he's regressed a little bit from being like top ten, like like great player to mm-hmm. like solid. Um, yeah. So, what are your thoughts on his technique? And you think is his injuries affecting him a little bit, or, or what do you think it is? Because again, I think, I think he's great, but he needs to improve it a little bit. Exactly in my what you said, and I'll I'll explain it like this for everybody listening. His power, his strength, is his top attribute, yeah. but it's also what gets him into trouble. Like you yes. said, he disengages. He tries to overuse his power at times, and again, it's similar to Mims. Once he refines it and gains that experience, he could get to that you know, all pro status as a tackle. You know, I firmly believe that. Yeah. I'm trying to find the play I was talking about where he, okay. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to pull up right right here. I'm not going to do a ton of like breakdowns and stuff like that, but it's really simple in terms of like what I'm talking about with him, not getting guys tight, not um, driving them where he tries to throw guys a little bit too much, which is great for highlight reels like that. Like, like him, him, him hitting this guy, 
people might clip that and say, oh, my God, great play for Becton. Or the next time he does it, the guy might go flying and fall on his ass. But my problem with plays like this, uh, you know, are where he has his hands inside right here. If he didn't try to throw throw this DB, he drives the DB. He keeps the DB completely out of the play. But instead, he throws him. The DB obviously is more athletic than him, sidesteps him, and gets him on the tackle. So those are things yeah. like that that he needs to improve that people don't want to acknowledge because obviously um, – they're going to be too high on, on the Jets players, especially ones who sort of show promise. So I don't want people to think that I'm down on Becton. I'm not. No. Becton is playing better than anybody expected than, than, uh, than we thought he would right now. Like we thought his highs would be highs, but his, his lows would be lows. And his lows right now are him being like average, which is fantastic. That's better than what the Jets have had since what? Uh, what's, what's the last Jets tackle who's average? Debrickashaw Ferguson in 2000 and. Probably Ferguson. At the end of his, yeah, at the end of his career, probably Ferguson. Yep. Yeah. And even um, then, even then, when they lost Ferguson and brought in Clady, it was a completely different team. They still had Decker. They still had Marshall. They still had Fitz. Chan Gailey was still calling the offense, but people tend to forget DeBrickashaw wasn't there the next year, mm -hmm. and you know everything kind of fell apart that season. Um, yeah, I think people kind of last couple of years of Ferguson too were a little bit too high on him again, like failing to to acknowledge what they were like David Harris, you know, even mangled at a certain point. Yeah, Harris uh, struggled in pass coverage. Huge. He would struggle now. Like like nowadays he would he would definitely he would definitely struggle. Um even though like I think he was he was decently athletic when he was not decently athletic. He was okay when he was younger, but like he's like a Hewitt type of player. Like he's not a coverage guy, a guy who's gonna smash guys in the box, make tackles, but in terms of coverage and playing in today's NFL. Uh, I don't think he's like a three down. Yeah, he would have been a much better linebacker in the 80s, you know, early 90s. Mm -hmm. um, and Jamal Adams, too, got hurt today. I don't know if you saw that clip yet. I saw people I saw people talking about it in the chat. I don't know how serious the injury was with Jamal Adams. He, how He was returned. It? He came back, but he injured his shoulder. And it's a perfect point to Becton, the tight end. I forget who it was, but for the Rams. But the tight end got him inside, didn't disengage, held him there, and just buried him right mm -hmm. on his shoulder. Well, we saw uh, Wesco do that versus uh, Bosa, right? That was, and he injured Bosa on that play. I think yeah. I believe it was Wesco who did that. So it's obviously, so I'm not saying okay, we want to injure guys, but right, right. But it's so much more um, beneficial to do that to stay inside, stay engaged, and don't let mm -hmm. the guy go anywhere. Yeah, well, less you know, less highlight plays maybe for for Beckton, but in terms of overall play and and not allowing his running backs to get touched or quarterback to get touched, um, mm -hmm. it'll it'll be beneficial to him because, like I said, it, it's great for highlights, but he he definitely needs to fix it at, at times. Yeah. Um, another topic again, I'm just running to the topics I was on talk about with Marcus too. What are you, uh, Q? Uh, a lot of people have been talking about him. What are your thoughts on his on his season so far? Obviously, steps in the right direction, but do you think he's going to be what they drafted him to be eventually? I, I mean, I guess it depends on the uh, what you thought. I mean, if you're thinking Aaron Donald, no. <laughs> but, yeah, but I think he can fulfill. I think you could get to a point where you're happy with the pick. You're the happiest you could you could possibly be with the pick. Um, mm -hmm. You know, he's been good. I, he can't be injured, though. He's got to play. He's got to play the rest of the year because we got to see more film on him from you, got, from you and other trench film guys because i, I gotta see yeah. more yeah yeah for sure he's, he's definitely taking steps in the right direction but uh the, you know you don't want to see him injured and, and missing games and things like that but for the people who are saying oh second round pick for q i i think you're absolutely crazy for about, watching let, me ask what you he was. let me ask you this who do you think's had the better season q or john franklin myers q 
Yeah, I, I think I think, for, and again, and we can pull up film, whatever. But I, I think John Franklin Myers has been more splashy plays where Q on a, on a down by down basis has been a little more consistent. Where uh, Franklin Myers, I think, has been a little bit more like uh, inconsistent. But Franklin Myers has been freaking awesome though too. Like like putting him as a as a D end who could set the edge in the run game, or putting him you know, on passing downs as a three tech uh, and rushing against guards using his, his speed and power. Like I really, really like John Franklin Myers. And that's, a, that's the positive thing about the Jets defense is we don't have a lot of positives on the defense, but guys like Huff, Franklin Myers, Q, Fado Kasi in going into the future, you, you have to be pretty high on them. Yeah. And it's all from the inside out. You want to build that inside first, you know, mm-hmm. to me, it just raises the development for everyone else behind it more so than if you're building from the outside in. So, and then people forget about Mosley too, who is, I know you're not high on that signing, but at this, at some point he has to come back and freaking play for the Jets. And he's still going to be, I, I hope a solid inside linebacker. Oh, don't get me wrong. Yeah. You, you got to have him. I mean, it, it's exciting to have him too, because um, he's fast, but at this point after missing two seasons, mm-hmm. I'm kind of not expecting anything and just anything that he gives you is a positive. The life of a Jets fan, you know, <laughs> expecting expecting the worst and 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 hoping for the best, somewhat whatever that saying is. Yeah, I, I, I get I I get that. But um, now, in terms of uh, P Ryan, too, another young guy that we that we should discuss. Have you seen any anything from him? Because I think he's another guy who's been a little bit disappointing to me. Like his vision, um, something that I think he needs to improve is definitely his vision. I think his pass protection has got a little bit better. Uh, his hands, he shows, uh, shown some of that. He had a nice touchdown against uh, whatever, what freaking game was that that he scored a touchdown? Um, Chiefs game? I think it was a, maybe it was a Chiefs it, game. Uh, it, was, it was a home game, I think. Uh, the game it? before that game. The Bills game. Bills game, that's it. Yeah, Bills game. So he's, he's, he's shown some development, but I think his vision's really off right now. Yeah, it's frustrating for Jets fans to see Gore in there, but Gore's vision is still a lot better than Piranha's. And on first down, you know, getting that extra two, three yards does help the entire offense, does help Darnold when he's in there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, that's the that's the main thing. If P. Ryan was on par with Gore in terms of vision in the zone scheme, yeah, he'd be playing. Uh, now, that's what I believe. Yeah, yeah. It, again, it's the problem with playing a – it's having a coach who wants to win versus a GM who wants – like that's the biggest problem with the, with the team right now. And that's the other um, thing too, you know, because I'm I'm still really pessimistic that they're going to finish with the worst record because of that. Gase and Douglas, even Douglas, he knows how important Lawrence is for sure, but he's the type. I feel like he's the type of guy who never would give an inch. He would never allow yeah. anyone to think his organization is doing anything to tank. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? So yeah, yeah, that kind of sure. that kind of makes me nervous. Yeah. Um, now, there's been some rumors about Gase returning next year. Do you think there's any possibility of that? Or do you think it's because, uh, listen, man, like I, I love Jets X Factor. But if, if it's Adam Gase next year, I, are we going to cancel after one time, like one year? Like, what are we what are we doing? Going, going to retirement. Just uh, retire for a year. Just hold it off. Like, I, don't, I what the hell? You know, what, what's going to happen? I, it's so hard to believe because you. Doug, you know, Douglas for, in terms of his eye for personnel is spot on so far. Yeah. So it's hard to believe that he would actually allow that to happen. But the mm-hmm. question is who's making the decision. Yeah. Is Douglas, are they allowing Douglas to make the decision or is it still Christopher Johnson? And if, and if it is Christopher Johnson, would Douglas tolerate that? You know, I think the worst case scenario is Christopher Johnson 
wants to bring him back no matter what in a stubborn fashion. And Joe Douglas says, oh. that's it. I throw my hands up and I'm done. That's the worst case scenario. So is there, is there a possibility? Yeah, for sure. But do I think uh-huh. it's going to happen? No. I'm so concerned about the ownership just, you know, taking over um, because like you said, they are stubborn and you hope that they change their, their, their ways in terms of the, re- the reporting structure. But I do want to get to some head coaches that, that you do like. I know a lot of our varying opinions on coordinator versus, you know, old coordinator who's done it before versus young, hot, new coordinator versus, you know, college guy. But we did get our first super chat from uh, Darnell Towns. Uh, do you all think it would be smart for uh, if, would be smart if Joe uh, chose a minority coach so the Jets can get the two compensation third round picks. If so, who are the best minority prospects to choose from? Um, is that exactly how that rule works? You know what? I don't, to be honest, I don't even know. But in, in my, even if that's the case and that's ironclad, you, you can't think that way. You got you to gotta take the right coach yeah, that's, that's, that you think say. is right for your current program. Because listen, like if you think, let's say, let's just say whoever, let's just use the 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 biggest minority coach candidate right now. Let's say you have, you know, Biennemi as a B plus candidate or even an A minus candidate. If you think that wh- whoever, wh- let, Todd Munkin is an A plus and you're going to take the B plus over the A plus because you want, you know, two third round picks, um, you're not building your team the right way. So, so definitely not. Uh, whoever's a better coach, even if it's just a slight tick, if you're rating one guy as a 9.1 and the next guy is a 9.2, Take the guy who's a better coach because obviously we've seen what bad coaches do, um, you know, on top of a lot of other bad things, bad ownership, bad, you know, uh, front office decisions and things like that. But is that how the rule works? I, I saw I saw something. I wasn't sure if it was the, the team who he gets signed from gets the picks or if it's the team who signs him gets the picks. Yeah, I thought it was if um, a team that loses a minority assistant coach who becomes a head coach or somewhere in the front office will receive a third round pick in the next two of them one one in each of the next two drafts i don't know about that though we'll we'll get back to them on that yeah somebody said minority like racial minority yeah that's 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 what's happening there there are rules there are rules that are implemented in that regard but i don't know if it's exactly if you hire the minority coach i'm not sure about that yeah i gotta definitely look into that more um but I, I definitely thought it was the coach, the, the team he gets hired from. But I, I could be wrong. Darnell, if you have that uh, like article or anything like that, like send us some more information on that because I, I heard about it, but I haven't looked into it a ton to be, uh, ton, to be completely honest. But um, in terms of coaches, who who are your guys? Because, again, there's the Arthur Smith guys out there. There's the Monken guys out there. There's the Matt Campbells. There's the I, – I always blank out on the guy from the Ravens. I don't know why. There's the Harbaugh's out there. There's a ton yeah, of guys. Yeah, Roman. Um, so who who are your type of candidates? Like who do who do you like? Because people bring up good points. Like people people want the program builders. You know, Arthur Smith might may be a great offensive coordinator, but he's also just a tight ends coach. And who's 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 to say um if he could build a organization, build a team, like you could be great at calling an offense and suck as a head coach, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's the concern with Arthur Smith, too. And he kind of came out of nowhere quickly. Um so you don't know about that program builder type. The, mm-hmm. the the name that really is, you know, polarized right now is Harbaugh. What do Jets fans think about Harbaugh? I can tell you, I'm a I'm a no. <laughs> You're a no. I'm leaning towards no myself, but something mm-hmm. in me just keeps thinking that it's intriguing for certain reasons. But I'm leaning no towards no too because that Niners team was stacked. Uh, so he had, he had mm-hmm. luck in Stanford. Mm-hmm. And he's not doing anything in Michigan. It's just his resume is not there. 
Yeah. So the thing with Harbaugh is, again, you, you have a couple things for me. One, he alienated himself it, it, with the 49ers and wanted more control, kind of like an Adam Gase figure. So we're bringing another Adam Gase type figure. Obviously, he has more of a resume. Like you said, his roster was stacked just like Rex Ryan's was. Um, Rex Ryan went to two you know, conference championships and then completely fizzled out, kind of like you know Harbaugh did a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. And then Harbaugh went to Michigan. I know he wins games, but he doesn't win the big game. Uh, he's failed to develop quarterbacks since he's been there. Um, and he was, he was successful how many years ago, you know, at, at right. this point. So it's, you know, is, is he, can he adapt to the new NFL? Cause people talk about Adam Gase's offense, which overall he's been terrible, but I thought when he coming from Miami, he did have some, some concepts that were definitely interesting, but his concepts were successful with Peyton Manning, you know, in the, in the mid 2010s where the NFL develops and changes every year. So will Harbaugh be successful now in the NFL? And I'm not banking on it. Like Harbaugh is pretty low on my list to be completely honest, especially coming from a guy like Gase um, and seeing kind of like what an asshole he is, because listen, like Harbaugh might be successful for a year or two or three, but what if he starts rubbing, rubbing the guys the wrong way? Um, and then he falls out with Lawrence, like whatever it may be. So I want like the program builder, like, yeah, I, you know, I would love the, the new offensive mind type guy, but at the same time, Arthur Smith, the Brady's like, are they program builders? Like people just think, Oh, his offense is good. He's a good head coaching candidate. I think it's so much more than that. Um, in terms of like the guy they are in the program, they, they build. So guys, you know, Matt rule was a great candidate to me. Uh, Campbell, great candidate. Uh, Munkin, guy who's who's built programs i like munkin more than other people do so i like the guys who are going to be the leader of men more than the just the you know the hot name because he coaches an offensive like enemy listen uh, you know i'm not too sure because i don't like hiring the coaches who come from their their head coaches uh you know specialty like in terms of the coordinators um now like again in terms of the minority thing uh, obviously I, I think it's great that the nfl is doing that but I want the best coach, white, Spanish, Asian, black. It doesn't matter. I want the best coach for the Jets because we've been so deprived since, you know, the late nineties of having really good coaches. I think man, well, Mangini, uh, I think he was actually a little bit better than people th- gave him credit for Yes, I do too. Um, but again, I was a little bit younger too. And even like Rex, like, you know, great defensive coordinator, but he let his, his personality kind of get the best of him, like being too dedicated to guys, uh, you know, picking guys like uh, what was the receiver's name that Mark Sanchez, like Scotty McKnight, they picked him because they were friends. You know, Taj yeah. Boyd. Oh, my my son played with him or whatever in Clemson. Like, I'm gonna take Taj Boyd. Like, so you know that and, stuff and Rex, matters. Rex took John Connor too. See that that's the thing with Mangini. Head coaches need to have an eye for talent too, and it mm-hmm. kind of gets overlooked. You know, because that back and forth between the GM and head coach is huge, and I think that was Mangini's best trait. He was sort of like a general manager in a head in the head coaching role. And he and Tannenbaum really built that team. And when Rex came, you know, the roster started declining year after year after year. Um, the, the other thing with Harbaugh, Greg Roman was his offensive coordinator when he yeah. had that run with Colin Kaepernick. See, Greg Roman, I love him as a, as a coach in today's NFL because you could do so many quarterback-infused running design schemes. Now, now I, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but with, with that, are you concerned that Lamar Jackson came out the last week and said that the defenses are calling out the plays and, and Lamar Jackson has kind of regressed this year? Or what are your thoughts on that? Yes, completely. Like, I, I like Greg Roman, but not for the Jets. Okay. Not for the Jets. No chance. Because, I, you know, the Josh Allen offense, the Lamar Jackson offense, even the Cam Newton offense this year, it works. It could work in the regular season, but it hasn't been proven to work throughout the whole season into the playoffs mm-hmm. championship, you know, even though the pocket passers are dying, 
you still need a pocket passer who could use his legs. So Greg Roman's Greg Roman is brilliant with the, you know, the, the quarterback designed rushing attacks. And I don't think that's Lawrence with the Jets. Yeah, for sure. Now, now you kind of talked about, we talked about horrible. We talked about, um, Roman. So who are your, your guys? Cause it, it is, it's, it's a really hard question to answer. I think it it's really hard. some people think like, think it is, but, um, if you had like a top three, like, and, and again, I, I will preface this by saying it, it is a rough draft because one, listen, we have clearly dedicated a lot of time to the jets. We're not watching every single snap to the Arthur Smith and Greg Roman and, and all this stuff. Um, but kind of like your, your general feeling, who are some guys that you, uh, like at this point? I, I think Monken is definitely one. Um, Arthur mm-hmm. Smith is definitely another, but you gotta, you know, we don't know. We have no idea what kind of coach he really is, you know, on a day in day out basis. Mm-hmm. So that's the real wild card. If either of those two guys have that, uh, you know, program builder type attitude, then they're probably one and two in my mind. Yeah. I, I think just in terms of like the guys that I've heard, uh, there's a guy in Kyle, uh, is it PJ Fleck? Everybody's hyping up now too. Um, I heard he's a little bit of a program builder. So like guys like that. Uh, Matt Campbell, who's a program yeah, builder. Campbell, um, Campbell, I don't know enough about still. That's, that's what I've heard. Again, I'm, I preface a lot of things by saying I don't like to give super strong opinions until I know exactly what I'm talking about with like watching their offense and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. those are two guys. And then obviously, uh, you know, Rule, again, I, I, I loved him as a candidate, but that didn't happen. Um, and then you have uh, the other guy. I, was talking, I, I forget Lincoln, the other guy. Lincoln Riley, too. Well, Lincoln Riley, the, the, I'm always concerned with college coaches. Like, like people talk, people talk about uh, Sweeney, and he's a guy. Like that transition, I think is harder for than people realize it is. Like dealing with college kids and getting them to come to your school and being a good recruiter versus coaching grown men who have families. It it, it could be a, a tough transition. So even guys like Sweeney, like I'm not as high on some of those guys as, as some others are, but. And there's so many variables. Like we, we, you know, we see 20% of what it is that they do or not even 10, 5% of what they do. So uh, you really have to dive in to get as much information as you can of that 5%. And to say that we have at this point, you know, people are so hell bumped on this guy or that guy, but what are your thoughts on a lot of people talk about the enemy? What are your thoughts on him? If the jets were to hire? Yeah, he scares me. He really does. And, um, you know, Andy Reed, even, even if he, I mean, he still calls plays, he's still the play caller. So, the enemy scares me in it, it's kind of it's kind of a knock on running backs as well but a running back head coach scares me as well uh you know you don't really see too many of them th- that i could think about anthony lynn with the chargers had that good first year kind of tailed off mm-hmm. yeah you don't really see too many running back head coaches succeed unless i'm missing obvious ones i can't i can't think of one and with anthony lynn too like you said like he's he was a decent coach but like now at a certain point like i know the town the, the roster is not great and philip rivers was 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 a uh, risk adverse or whatever but when you're losing so many close games at a certain point it goes on the coach too and like last week you're you're running you're running fades to a to a backup tight end you know when you have two shots to win the game like there's uh, you know <laughs> But um, yeah, with the enemy again, you know, he, maybe he calls a, maybe he called a play versus the Texans. Maybe he called a play versus another team, whatever it is. But when he doesn't have Reed in the meeting rooms, when he doesn't have Reed on the practice field, when he doesn't have Reed in his ear, how is he going to be? You know, so yeah, he might be the rah rah guy, you know, coaching offense. But listen, and even for Reed, Reed is a great coach. A lot of motion, a lot of he screws the defense a lot. But you also have to consider, you know, to, and, and, it, and it factors into a certain extent. Patrick Mahomes, Paul yeah. Hardman, Tyreek yeah. Hill, Travis yeah. Kelsey, you know, like all and, these guys. 
and the jet sweep stuff. Reed took the NFL by surprise two years ago at the start of the season with what he was doing. And, you know, I don't know. I would have to say that was Reed's innovation, but, you know, again, you don't know. Yeah, it's 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 going to be interesting. That's something obviously at Jets X Factor we're going to dive into ridiculously heavy. Um, once the Jets one make their hire, and two once they start looking into guys and bringing guys in, uh, some we'll definitely look into. And then and then quarterbacks we're going to dive into a ridiculous amount. I'm I'm honestly for for my work sake, I'm mm-hmm. hoping that it's just Lawrence. So I just do Lawrence, and it's not like Lawrence and Fields and Lance and you know uh, what's the other guy from BYU that we're talking about Wilson now, right? No, yeah, yeah Coleman. Yeah. Coleman said he doesn't think Lawrence is going to come out, right? Yeah, yeah. We had a whole texting argument about him saying that he thinks that it should be Donald, and then he, I kind of I turn him to the dark side. But now he's pulling the I don't think Lawrence is going to come out card, which which we're go, we're going to discuss in, in further detail on a different show. Yeah, you know he does make a good point with him getting sick and them losing to Notre <sighs> Dame, but they'll still make the playoffs. I mean, they could take Notre Dame and Clemson to the playoffs. They could take both those ACC teams. It's possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that's the only point. Like if it's between the Jets and Jacksonville, he's not going to, uh, you know, put a power play on to go to Jacksonville and avoid the Jets. No, no way. There's no way. And to, to turn down that number one spot money is, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. It's tough to imagine, to be honest. And listen, like I know, I know that it's not like it used to be. Like you know, uh, Russell Westbrook's a star in Oklahoma City, LeBron in Cleveland. Like you could, you could be a star anywhere. But if you're going to be a star one place, like winning in New York, it's still a different level. Like if you if you win here, you're going to be absolutely worshipped. So it's not like the Jets are in a bad situation. Like I said, a lot of people think, okay, well, if if Adam Gase is the coach next year, then maybe I could see him doing that. Like hearing how bad he is, again, probably a small chance, but. Coming into a situation with a new coach, who let's be honest, there's going to be back channeling, and, and, and Trevor Lawrence is going to have some, and his agents are going to have some type of influence on who they who they hire. Somebody he's familiar with, offense, whatever. You have that. You have 95 million dollars in cap space projected, which I'm not sure what that includes. Like if, if that includes like Henry Anderson being cut or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, two first round picks, two thirds, two first to next year. You know, so it's it's not like people, you know, it's a story every year. Joe Burrow wasn't supposed to go to the Bengals last year either. You know, he was going to skip out on that as well. Yep. And it's about, it's not about the organization. It's about who's running the organization. And Joe Douglas is a big positive in that regard. Uh, the Gase thing. Yeah, that's, that doesn't, that wouldn't be good <laughs> uh, to, to, to say the least. Mm-hmm. But uh it's very difficult. The biggest thing is who is his agent going to be? Watch to see who Lawrence's agent will be. Yeah. And that will be the big thing. Jamal because Adams. Is he going to hire Jamal Adams' agent? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that wouldn't be good. But that's. What are your his- thoughts on him? I, he, he, so I, I've seen like he's struggling a little bit in coverage, but then I also saw a rep last week. And again, I, I'll be honest, I don't watch every single Seahawks rep. I know mm-hmm. they're struggling, but I also saw the rep that everybody's roasting for. He was in man coverage on Stefan Diggs. So right. like, what are they asking him to do? I don't know, but I've seen that a lot too, where he's matching up against receivers in the New England game earlier this season, week two, week three. He was on the slot receiver a ton. And maybe maybe some of it was zone and he was just matching, but it, it was happening far too. I still think he's a pretty damn good cover guy for a strong safety. Yeah, me too. No matter what PFF says. Yeah. You know, it's especially tight ends. Locking up tight ends, man. He's I, I think he's the best in the league at strong safety or one of the top three. 
Yeah, yeah, he's up there, and like his ability to like, like take exit angles, his ability to to match guys and like that pattern matching and pass guys off, like his instincts, his smarts, yes. like he it's it's there. But listen, if you're gonna ask a safety to play Stephon Diggs, who's a top ten receiver in the NFL, like that that's on you, that's on your defense. Like that's that's a little bit ridiculous. But right. it's um, not like Seattle's rushing the passer well either. I don't think, especially when Jamal's not rushing the passer. No, but they're losing right now, right? Yeah, they're they're losing, which I, we want the Seahawks to to lose because we want these we want these picks. Um, yeah, this is true. My parlays yeah. don't want the the Seahawks to to lose, but uh, I I'm always Jets first over over my parlays. I I could take a fifty dollar hit or whatever it is, but yep. um for them to to uh, to lose is obviously you know huge. But uh, drop some more questions if you if you have them. Um, somebody said, "Damn, the Jags lost today, which sucks for us." Yeah, we expected them to yeah. lose to the to the Packers. They're going to lose to the, you know, to the Steelers. I think it's next week they play the Steelers. But listen, if they can compete with the Packers, you know, teams like the Browns who who were struggling against the Texans today, uh, there's some teams on their schedule who are, who are easy for the Jets. It's my concern is the Chargers who are super inconsistent finishing games. And the Jets have been in a couple of games now uh, with the Broncos and, and the Patriots. And then, you know, the, the Raiders are not a huge concern, but I feel like the Raiders at home, we always play them well and they're hot and cold yep. at times. And then it's the Patriots that those are the three games I'm, I'm concerned about. I don't know about you. Very concerned because the Jags schedule is a lot tougher down the stretch. Jets have three winnable games. You just listen them off. And up to this point, the Jags schedule has been much easier too. So how they're confusing as hell because I thought they were much worse than their record, even though the record's pretty damn bad, but then they almost beat Green Bay today. So I have no idea, but the Jags scare me the most for sure. And they got close to the freaking uh, the, the, the Texans last week too. They lost both games by one score. Like what was the, the Texans game? I said it was like 19 to 17 or something like that. And they missed a two point yeah. conversion or they, they fail on two point conversion attempt to, to tie the game. They go into overtime. So um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting race. Like every single jets game, like, I messaged you in the Slack the other day, you know, when we're watching the Patriots game, like the Jets are going to F and win. Like we do, this cannot happen. It can't happen. How they you didn't know, win. And if they run more than 15 plays offensively in the second half, they're going to win that game. Well, it, that or, or Flacco doesn't force the ball into cover two invert or later in the game, if Flacco doesn't, if, if Flacco dumps it off to P Ryan, who, who's a check down and is sitting there, it's like a minute and a half left. P Ryan would have got the ball, ran to the Jets 40, and then you have to get 20 to 25 more yards to kick a field goal and win the game. So, like, thank God Joe Flacco is the king of the tank because yeah. I got real nervous. Yeah, he was, uh, you know, it's, I mean, he played a good game, but that that was premeditated, that first down play, and he never saw that. What was it what was the safety that came over? He never yeah, saw that. Yeah. He never saw that second guy. Just never saw him. Yeah, he just he he just saw him with inside leverage of the first DB and didn't see the 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 uh, the other deep safety or corner whatever whatever he was. I forget. If that yeah, was and the Jets aren't not, trying but. to lose. I mean, how many deep shots did they take in that game? And when you're trying to win, that's what you're supposed to do when defenses are mugging you. You know, press single high. But this was the first week where they really actually tried to make the defense adjust, and it and it happens. So. Yeah, you know it's concerning. It's concerning for the Lawrence, uh, Which, and it, and, it, and it was definitely positive for like the the Jets receivers too. Like Perryman, like like I said when I did that film review, like his his talent is there. If he's healthy, sixteen games, I think he could be a thousand yard receiver. Like we saw, like last last game. Listen, if he catches that first touchdown, that's three touchdowns. And then there's a fourth touchdown that could have been there if if uh, the the one ball where I think it was Jason McCourty 
or uh, yeah, Jason McCourty got the PI where Flacco puts the ball way too short and way too far inside. Where if he led outside shoulder and vertical like he was supposed to, it was another mm-hmm. touchdown for for uh, Perry uh, for Perryman. So um, I'm not saying he's great, but for the people who think he's a, he's an absolutely terrible wide receiver, he makes no impact when he's in the game. I think you're really mistaken. So yeah, no, um, he's not a he's not a bum in terms of talent. It's just injuries. He's one of those injury guys. Mm-hmm. You know, would you be interested in bringing him back next year as like a fourth string guy? Yes. But you got to have a backup plan. You got to yeah, have, yeah. You, you got to have another plan. Mm-hmm. And what's the price too? Is he going to want to do that? Because like the Jets, my 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 outlook on free agency is always to kind of like, obviously you're going to to evaluate the draft. You know they're evaluating the draft already. They they were you know they were evaluating the 2021 draft in, in 2019. Like it's it's that far back. Like that's their that's their job. That's their profession. So. Um, my idea is always kind of address the positions that are weaker in the draft in free agency and obviously any bargains you can get, but like receivers in free agency, a lot of people talk about that, like the Al Robinsons, the Juju's, are you interested in bringing those, those guys in before the draft and then just addressing other holes in the draft? I would bring an Allen Robinson Juju. I'm not too sure about, but Allen Robinson intrigues me because he's just another one of those. He could win in any one-on-one coverage. If, if yeah, the quarterback and him are on, on par, you know, if they're, if they're connected. So Juju scares me because I don't really know how good he is. I think he might be a little overinflated. A little but, more uh, than name than actual play. Yeah. You know, yeah. He's huge on social media. He's, he's mm-hmm. got that marketing it part down, you know? Yeah. Uh, but Allen Robinson for sure. Yeah. I think, I think Allen Robinson's a guy who you feel bad for him because, you know, Penn state, Christian Hackenberg, uh, you know, then after, and then after that you have Blake Bortles and whoever else, then you get Nick Foles and Mitch Trubisky, you know? So I, I think I, in my opinion, I think he is a legitimate top 10 wide receiver on the NFL. He's just not recognized as that because of what he's playing with. Right. Um, but say, with anything else, if you want to bring up any of the topics, uh, and if people want to, I, again, if you have a question, uh, I know the football is on stuff right now, but if you have a question, drop it in there, but is there anything else you want to discuss before we hop off? Cause we did, you know, Sorry for the beginning, people, but something was happening with our tech. I don't know what's happened with our tech the last couple of weeks. This is why I always say I'm not a tech guy. I hate it. It's a lot easier just the basic pen and paper type stuff because tech's supposed to work and then it doesn't. But is there anything yeah. else that you uh, want to discuss really quickly before we hop off? Um, no, I think, I mean, with Mims, what do you see from Mims' route running right now? Like, how how close is he? Um. I, I th- well, obviously, it's only been three games. I, I think it's a lot of the same thing we saw at Baylor. The, the thing with Mims, too, in terms of like some of the things that he's been kind of like falsely diagnosed with, like, oh, he's not a yak guy. Again, I brought this up um, in my last podcast. I brought it up. I did the, the, the show with Scott Mason. Oh, he's not a yak guy. And when you run a ton of fades at Baylor, and mm-hmm. you also have what I think he was the second most contested catches in, in, in college football last year. So when you're getting contested catches because of fade routes, how many guys get yak after fades? He's not, he's not at Oklahoma running slants like CD lamb or, you know, at, at Bama, like Judy, you know, wide open. So that was something that was false about him. Just bring it up really quickly, but in terms of his route running, it's the same that it was at Baylor. Obviously, he has to learn the nuances because he did run a lot of, you know, simple routes, whether it be, you know, post nines, uh, you know, slants, like really basic stuff, fades, a ton of fades. But like to, to run whips and and digs and and comebacks and things like that, like he didn't do a lot of it. So in terms of his route running, he definitely needs a lot more work because he just hasn't seen it. But he's super intriguing because, like I said, he has that ability to get out of breaks really, really quickly. 
again with the bad technique that I talked about. He shows a bad tech or the good technique at times, um, but he just needs to round out the the uh, the route running at the, especially at the top of his breaks. Um, in terms of his, like his physicality at the line, uh, definitely he's definitely good in that area. I think transitioning from college to the NFL, I think he needs to rely a little bit less on his physicality because yeah, you might be able to jack up a guy at Baylor that you're playing in practice, you know, who's who's going to get physical with you, but in the NFL. The first couple of weeks, I thought he was trying to get a little bit too physical um, with guys instead of using a little bit more finesse and setting guys up with his feet. But this last game against the Pats was really, really impressive in, in, in those uh, areas in terms of like releases and things like that, uh, whether it be a shuffle release, hop steps, which uh, I don't think it's a hop step. It's a skip release. They're different to me. But Perryman too. Perryman off of his releases looked pretty good to me too in this last one. He uses that hop step all the time where he, where he, where he brings he brings that uh, his back foot up halfway and then drives off of the same foot that he initially had up and gets to the outside and screws up with guys timing um, yeah. a lot. And and he just wins with speed and with that. like And, and he's powerful um with his hands like the jets have a i think a good top three like if you had these guys healthy all year i think their top three is not as bad as people think it is but it's the consistency like you said you know obviously it's 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 mims rounding out and, and getting better um yeah. it's crowder staying healthy who i i think has been falsely labeled as an injury prone guy throughout his career he's been relatively healthy actually um but it's it's really paramount because again Perryman, the the the, and we'll see if he's even going to be here next year. So it might not even matter. But the thing with Perryman is people, oh well, the last five weeks, the last five weeks, there's film out there. the the first The first ten weeks of the season, he was getting open, but you had guys like Godwin, Godwin Evans, uh, OJ Howard, who were the primary reads. So he there again, there was plays where he burned Darius Slay, and he could have had a ninety yard touchdown. He's never targeted. Right. So again. You know, love stats to a certain extent, but there's a lot more than Googling how much receiving yards did he get because he might have got zero catches that game, but he could have been targeted three times. And one time is a bad throw because the offensive lineman got the quarterback hit. The the other time, the quarterback didn't hit him. And then the third time, you know, whatever, it was double coverage and the the receiver and the the corner forced it in there or the quarterback forced it in there. So, like, there's so much more to the game than that. Um, and that's part of Perryman's story with the Bucks last year. So I, I liked him a lot more than other guys did um, in terms of the Jets signing him and, and getting him on the on the team for $9 million. So we'll see if he's here next year. But if he was and he was healthy, I'm, I'm fine with him being a, a depth option because I think he's better than people realize he is. Yeah, for sure. And when, when fans see Robbie Anderson going nuts, there's just no way back for Perryman unless he puts up, you know, three or four weeks, yeah. incredible numbers. Well, you're talking like just talking about the Bills game, like in terms of like uh, statistically, he had like what like three catches for 40 yards. But mm-hmm. again, looking at what could have happened, if Darnold hits him on that play that I showed with Marcus before, that's 30, 40 yards. Now you're looking at 44 uh, four catches for 70, 75, 80 yards. Now people are like, oh, it's actually a pretty good game. Like it goes from being a no-show to to people like oh he actually made a big impact because of one catch because of the quarterback missed him so like there's there's a lot more to look into the stats i I preach that a lot um obviously with context like nania does it's important to have that context which he does so i'm not that's not what i'm saying at all because i'm talking about the pffs who just go in there and and do that stuff um Corey washington asks oh i guess well this will be the last one unless somebody else has a question um what pick do we have to have in order to keep sand build around him I like Fields to not just Trevor. Okay, so he he likes both quarterbacks. So what at what point do the Jets build around Darnold? Like you know, um, I mean a lot goes into that. Who's the head coach? <laughs> you know who's yeah. the head coach? Loaded uh, question. What is, 
what does Douglas feel about Darnold? Because if he doesn't think Darnold's the guy, yeah. he'll try to find another option. And maybe he doesn't, and he lets Darnold go into his fourth year without, you know, uh, giving him the fifth-year option this spring. But I don't think there's a concrete answer. I think it depends on what Douglas feels, and you'll never know because he won't, he won't tell us. Uh, if it's Fields, I do think he'll go with Fields, though. Yeah, I, I think people in the fans like that's a cop out answer, but it's not because it's so loaded. You can't just say, oh, okay, yeah. well, if they're three, then it is. Like, you know, because what if, you know, what if one head coaching candidate loves uh, Trey Lance and another doesn't? So it depends on who you hire, what their feelings are on Darnold, you know, et cetera. That's such a loaded question. But at, in my opinion, and again, it depends on how much I personally like Zach Wilson or, or, uh, or Lance, because if I feel like those guys are legit top 10 type quarterback prospects in terms of like where they deserve to be drafted and what their, what their uh, projection is in the NFL, then take those guys because Donald, again, Donald has not been good this year. He, he's been bad. Like you, you can't deny that. I know people try to, again, too black and white. There's a gray, there's a big gray area with Donald and missing receiver open is missing receiver open regardless of its cager or Perryman. Um, we have... The way the defense is playing. Okay. Okay. That's, that's about it. Um, Sabo appreciate, uh, having or running this being the, the, the founder of, of Jets X Factory, you and Nani. So I appreciate you guys having me, uh, appreciate you jumping on with me, setting it all up. Uh, appreciate everybody who asked the questions and was uh, watching again, every first Monday of the month, we do the live streams, uh, myself and Kyle Smith, we will have Marcus Coleman on again. I'll be back for the for the reviews every single week. So I appreciate everybody for listening. Uh, Sabo, any any closing thoughts before we before we get out of here? No, enjoy the rest of Sunday without the Jets, and uh, we'll be back. Thanks, guys. All right.